Hello and welcome to WGTC Radio, the official podcast of entertainment website, We Got This Covered. I'm Jonathan Lack. And I'm Sean Chapman. And why did we play a song from the soundtrack to Yellow Submarine, Sean? Well, because we picked a pretty abstract topic for today. It's not particularly focused. And since there's no song we could pick that was relevant, we decided we would just pick a song that's completely irrelevant. But really happy and, you know, hopefully gets this podcast off on an optimistic note. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about this week, Sean? Stuff. Isn't that just kind of what we do? It is. We will be talking about lots of stuff. Specifically, the sort of abstract topic that we wrangled together this week, because absolutely nothing is happening in the world of entertainment right now. Yeah. Oscar nominations just came out, I guess. They were better than usual and a little bit surprising, and that was kind of nice, but I still don't really care. Yeah. I, I care so little, I did not even look at them. All right. So... So, I don't think we'll do, be doing an Oscar podcast. To, no, we will not. To to their credit, the Oscar nominations caused me much less pain than they ever have before, and I suppose that is a step in the right direction, but that's about all you're, we're going to say on this podcast. We may as well mention it, we are an entertainment podcast, but that's it. So, yeah. If, so. if you really need the Oscars to vindicate your favorite movies, they picked some good movies, I guess. Cool. And if you do need the Oscars to vindicate your favorite movies, you should probably see a therapist. Yeah, and stop watching the Oscars. Just start there. <laughs> All right, so this week we are talking about, because nothing else is going on, 2013, the year-end preview, I guess. Yeah. So we want to talk about sort of all the movies that interest us and all the games that interest us coming out over the next 12 months and maybe, you know, whatever else pops up while we're going down the calendar. Yeah. So just a little preview of the year, talk about things we're excited for. It's kind of interesting, because we often talk about, on this podcast, things after the fact. Mm-hmm. So maybe it would be nice for a week just to kind of preview some things and say yeah. what we're looking forward to. Like the flip side of our last our year retrospective for 2012. Now it's our, hey, what the fuck's going to be going on this year Yeah, that we care about? Maybe a bit of a preview about some of the stuff we'll be talking in future podcasts when this stuff actually comes out. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we, when we put our list together, Sean put some games together, I put some movies together. I think we can agree there's a lot to talk about. It just doesn't start for a while. Yeah, yeah. There will be a lot of things that we will be talking about on this podcast. The next few months or weeks could be a little slow, but we'll find some fun stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. For now, we'll talk about the year in preview. First, I have a couple stories to tell okay. this week. The first thing I want to mention is that last week on this podcast, we had a segment that I think was a really, really good segment, and it's maybe one of my favorite we've ever done, which is where Sean and I talked about the high frame rate version of The Hobbit. And I had previously mentioned it when we talked about The Hobbit. I didn't go in depth, but I said it kind of... I didn't like it. It kind of hurt my enjoyment of the movie. It didn't look right to me. It didn't seem to really come together the way I was expecting it to. And Sean had seen the high frame rate version and really loved it. Yeah. And so I think Sean being... (laughs) Sean, you know, does not work as a professional film critic all the time. And I think the fact that you don't do that allows you to see these things with a little more clarity than than a lot of critics. you know, I think I've said this before, but I almost never go to the theater. Like, yeah. that that string of theater experiences I had was the first time I'd gone to the theater in, like, a year. And I'm not going to go back for at least another year because I'm afraid if I do, I'll get killed. Yeah. But, in any case, I think Sean had a really, really good perspective on that. And was able to explain why he liked it and why there's nothing inherently wrong with it. Uh, in a really easy-to-understand way. So, thank you, Sean, for that. You're welcome. And and in any case, you can go back. I would recommend going back and listening to that segment if you're interested in that. It's it's a really good segment. 
And that sort of inspired me to say, you know, I really like The Hobbit. I wanted to enjoy the high frame rate version. Maybe now that I've really kind of talked the tech side of it through mm-hmm. and understand it a little bit better, I'll go back and try it one more time. So this week, I think it was last Wednesday, I went and found a like cheap matinee showing at one of the Century Theaters in Denver and saw the high frame rate version of it again. And holy shit, did I enjoy the movie more like that. It looks fucking beautiful. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. I I just... It's it's like your eyes are being gently massaged for two and a half hours. It's awesome. Yeah. And I, I... Again, I think all the reasoning for that, Sean went into really good depth in on the last podcast, so I won't go into much. I just think just the main things I noticed is just... Uh, it's just the, the smoothness of movement, obviously. And I could have watched hours just of camera pans across New Zealand because... It's like nothing I've ever seen in a movie before. Yeah. Having a camera pan like that, so beautiful, without a hint of any sort of shutter or blur or strobing or anything, you can't describe it. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And when it, that happens, it actually, it, it really does simulate the feeling of movement in the viewer. We talk about that a lot with movies, like, oh, it's so big, it makes you feel like you're there. This actually does make you feel like you're there. Yeah, because you don't have this weird disconnect that things in the movie don't look like things in real life. And... It's like you, you stop being aware of the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just seeing it, and it's really nice. I, I think the, the thing I said to Sean when we were talking about it earlier is that I do not immediately prefer this as a filming method to everything I've seen before. I still really like, for instance, you know, 35mm photography, 70mm photography, but I certainly prefer this to all other forms of digital photography because I think digital photography previously has just been doing what we did on film digitally, and that's a really kind of lazy format, lazy and unnecessary format yeah. change, right? Because if yeah. if 35mm is superior and was already working, why make the shift? But digital really can do this higher frame rate in a way film cannot. Film stock could technically do a 48 frames per second version of a movie, but it would cost an astronomical amount of money, yeah. and it would not be cost-effective at all. Yeah. And it, you'd, like, you'd, you'd have to build new cameras, you'd have to build yeah. new rigs, all these things. You'd have to just buy so much goddamn film stock, it would yeah. be ridiculous. But this, obviously, digital photography can do that probably arguably better, because then, you know, I, I wonder if, if grain with a higher frame rate would work quite right, things yeah. like that. So... This just this this to me legitimizes digital photography and digital projection and makes me kind of excited again about the future of film. If people really embrace this, this I really do think this could be the future of film in a very exciting way. Just the way things move, it's it's really fun. It's really different, and it is different. I mean, that's the thing you have to understand. But I think if you go in, I think it's just a simple attitude change yeah. more than anything, which is that. Don't be apprehensive about the high frame rate Hobbit if you haven't seen it yet. Go in thinking, this is different, and I'm kind of excited to see something different. Yeah, be willing to accept it. That's the most important thing, just have an open mind. Because if you don't have an open mind, you're never going to like it. Yeah, because it really is. Your brain does have to process this differently, and if you're actively telling your brain not to do that, Mm -hmm. it's a problem. Uh, And to me, I mean, here's what I'll say. The first time I saw it, I I do think, comparing my two viewings of the high frame rate version, there was something wrong the first time. Not necessarily with how they projected the frame rate itself, although I did notice some shuddering the first time that definitely should not have been there, because that's the point of a higher frame rate. Yeah. But definitely the colors were washed out, and the detail was kind of obscured. It was probably out of focus a little bit, and some other things that absolutely are not byproducts of 48 frames per second. Yeah. The only byproduct is, as Sean said last week, smoother motion. Yeah. That's all it does. So... It's just, it's a beautiful looking movie. It's so well produced. If you have not seen it in high frame rate and there's a theater playing it like that near you, I would definitely recommend it. 
it's it's just a really cool way to see the movie, and I I look forward to talking about this as a medium more as more movies come out. You know, yeah, you see, yeah, as more directors start taking advantage of it and start doing yeah. different things with it. Yeah, oh I'm yeah, really excited to see how that's going to change. I mean, immediately, I don't know why CGI animated movies aren't embracing this right off the bat because that. Motion blur and CGI has always bothered me because it, it to me it means it, to me it's always like why do you do CGI animation if you have all these l- limitations of film based formats yeah and so CGI animation has always looked wrong to me in a certain way I've never really loved it I think if you did it in a high frame rate it could look really cool it would get you that's why games look so good and they're all CGI but you never really think of it that way yeah. you don't think of a game as animated but it totally is it just happens to be animated in a way that allows the animation to shine through more yeah so in any case it's exciting it's cool to talk about speaking of exciting the other thing i want to mention really quick and i'm sad we did not get to watch this movie in theaters and do a podcast on it because it is fucking awesome but the movie dread came out this week on blu-ray and it's the second adaptation in cinema of the Judge Dredd comics from 2000 AD. Yeah. And the first Judge Dredd movie was a disaster. It was the one with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Which was, they took like the most archetypical plot they could find where he's framed and has to clear his name or something. He goes out into the desert. Yeah. Starts shouting about the law. Yeah. I am the law! God, that movie. It's, it's terrible. The new Dread movie, I was really excited to see it when it came out because I kind of I've read some of the comics. I think they're and I think it's just a fun idea, and I think it's got a lot of potential for a movie. And I like all the people in this movie, Carl Urban. I like some of the behind the scenes talent. I think there's some interesting people working on this film. Uh, but I missed it in theaters because it played for all of a week and a half, and I did not get a. They did not do a press screening for it, which is odd because all the critics who saw it gave it a pretty good review. Yeah. Um, but there was no press screening in Denver, and so I just sort of, there was some other stuff going on in my life, and by the time I went to go see it, it was already out of theaters because it flopped spectacularly. It made, I yeah. think, $30 million worldwide on a $50 million budget. There will not be a Dread 2, which is sad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. And it's also sad because they'll never then be able to make a Dread 3 that would actually be called Dread 3D, like yeah. everyone thought that this movie was called, but it wasn't. No. Anyway, uh... But anyway, Dread came out on Blu-ray this week, and I don't know the last time I was so excited to go to Best Buy and buy a Blu-ray, but I just, I started getting excited for this movie. I really wanted to see it. Uh, It was the first sort of new movie I'd seen in a while. Mm -hmm. And so I brought it home, watched it. It is great. I cannot recommend this movie highly enough if you just want a damn good action movie. Um, it's, It's got a similar plot structure to The Raid, which was a really popular movie last year among, sort of cult popular, um, because it's a really neat... Thai movie with a lot of interesting sort of... It's not really martial arts. It's a new kind of sort of fighting style they're showing in that movie, The Raid. But kind of the fun story of The Raid is that the people in the movie have to basically just clear a building from top to bottom and they have to get to the top and kill the bad guy. It's almost like a video game plot, but it's yeah. just the way it's constrained and uses space so well, that's what good action movies do. Kind of like Die Hard, yeah. in a way. Um, the thing I did not like about The Raid, though is that it really doesn't have characters. I cared about absolutely none of the people in that movie. They're really just people who fight, you know? And it's fun, but it really doesn't have any emotional connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dread has a very similar plot structure where it's very much a day-in-the-life story where Judge Dredd, he's taking out Judge Anderson, played by Olivia Thurlby, uh, on her first assignment, and sort of her... Uh, he's sort of testing her. And they wind up going to this big apartment complex in the Mega City One called Peach Trees, 
and basically they don't know it, but this Peachtree's area is ruled by this merciless drug lord played by Lena Headey from who you would know from Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, yeah. or Game of Thrones. Uh, she's a really good actress. Anyway, and she, seeing that there are these two judges here, locks down the building and wants to kill them so they can't get out and, you know, tell the world what she's doing there. And so they basically, again, they have to clear the building. So it's a very similar plot structure, but why Dread, I really, really like it, is you really get invested in the characters. And I think what's so amazing about this movie is how much you get invested in Dread himself in 90 minutes. And Carl, uh, Carl Urban, who is just a fantastic actor, plays Dread very straight and very sort of serious, and there's, not, there's really no character development to him. That's the point of the character, is yeah. he's just the law. And he just, that's what he does all day, is he just executes the law. And he's very committed to that, and he has no real character dynamic shifts that happen you know, visibly. There's some sort of small things he goes through in the movie and in the comics, but otherwise he really is a pretty static character. But you really kind of get invested in him. You get very invested in Judge Anderson. And overall, you get invested in the situation because it's a really well-shot movie, really interesting action scenes. It's very true to the comics in terms of its sort of tone and style and a lot of the things it brings in, like the gun he has, all the judges have with these six different kinds of bullets they can fire. They make a lot of good use out of that. Overall, I just really like the choice they made in this Dread movie, which is not to do a major sort of origin story kind of thing, which is yeah. what a lot of comic book adaptations do these days, or an adaptation where they try to fit everything in at once. It's just, it's like a one-off issue of the comics. Like, this is just a story that happened to Judge Dredd, and we're going to do a movie out of it. It's 90 minutes. That's it. And it works really well. It definitely begs for a sequel, not because the movie leaves anything open, but because all the pieces are just so well done, you want to yeah. see more. Um, and so I, I would love there to be a sequel to this movie, and who knows, if it does really well on Blu-ray, which is absolutely possible, maybe someone will make one. That would be cool. Um, my fear would be that Carl Urban is going to be too famous at a certain point to do a movie where you do not see his face. Yeah. Because it's, it's, that's the most amazing thing about his performance, is it is entirely ego-free. I mean, you never see his eyes. And it's, and you know, he's never going to be on the movie poster with the big name, you know, Carl Urban, because you can't tell it's Carl Urban. Yeah. Um, but he's so good in this movie, and so badass, and the amount of acting and emoting he does just with his chin... Sean, I think you said this to me. He needs to train the next person who's going to play Batman. Yeah. Or just play Batman. Yeah, because, you know, the chin. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all about the chin. And he, man, he acts with that chin, and it is fucking awesome. And so he talks so little in the movie, too, relatively speaking. And there's just moments where he'll be staring down a bad guy, and just the grimace he'll get on his chin. It's just like, he's about to go ape shit on these motherfuckers. And it's great. And I love the movie. The one thing I want to say about the Blu-ray, though, is that... A word of warning is the Blu-ray, it's kind of weird. There's, you know, the new 3D Blu-ray spec. You yeah. Get, if you have your 3D TV, there's 3D Blu-rays. You have to play them on a special 3D Blu-ray player. Or I guess the PlayStation 3 can do it. But typically they've been released separately. You buy the 3D Blu-ray or the 2D Blu-ray. And the 3D Blu-ray, I think, by the spec, has to have a 2D Blu-ray with it, which is kind of weird, but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Dread did something new where it's a 3D, 2D Blu-ray combo disc. And it's really annoying, because if you don't have a 3D display, it just plays the left eye of the movie, and it looks horrible. The Blu-ray in some parts is really sharp, but any time where there's going to be a 3D effect, the movie just kind of, there's digital noise everywhere, it gets like really low grade, because you're just seeing half the image. Yeah. They didn't put on a unified, because usually when you take a 3D movie and make it 2D, you just combine the images on top of each other and unify it. Yeah. You don't take one of the eyes. 
it's it doesn't look good. The like digital copy that comes with it through iTunes looks better. It's the Blu-ray's worth having for the seven point one audio track, which is lossless and sounds incredible. But it is kind of hard to watch the movie that way because the video quality is so erratic. Um, Maybe you should just watch it with your right eye closed. Maybe that's how yeah, it's meant to be seen. Indeed. Uh, what I've heard is that this is, though, if you actually have a 3D display, this is the best 3D Blu-ray on the market, a lot of people are saying, because this movie was really, really shot with 3D in mind, and you can tell that. I would love to have a 3D display just to see this movie that way, because even watching it 2D, you can tell this movie was intended to be seen with three dimensions, and, you know, it's it's, it's too bad that one of the only movies that really takes time to, like, plan and execute a good 3D production, as I understand it, they built new cameras and everything, sad that that flopped. And instead, all the we just got three D conversions everywhere. And well, at the very least, maybe that'll mean we'll stop doing three D at all. That'd be nice. Like if someone did like okay three D, they would just sort of like prolong the three D thing. I know. I don't know. I'm oh well. Of, I'm kind of waiting for that to stop because yeah. it's getting really fucking annoying to have to plan around. It's like I don't want to see the fucking three D screening. I know. Anyway. If, if you're at all interested in the Dread movie and you were one of the many people who missed it in theaters, and I think it's safe to say most people missed it in theaters, yeah, uh, go pick up the Blu-ray, or, or better, you should probably just rent it from iTunes or something so you don't have to deal with the weird left eye thing. But it's it's really fun, and uh, if, if Sean ever watches it, it'd be fun to revisit on the podcast just for a couple yeah. minutes. Sure, I'll watch it sometime yeah. in the near future. So anyway, uh, is there anything else going on? One, one more thing I want to say and sort of what's going on in my life is another entry in Jonathan Plays Games Several Years Too Late Theater, I guess. Yeah. I finally... <laughs> you like, And I like how this is actually even earlier. Like, we're moving yeah. backwards. Eventually you'll be like, did I play Donkey Kong the other day? Man, that game was fucking great! <laughs> like, really? No, actually, there is a thing like that because I, ha- I did play over Christmas. I got Super Mario Bros. 2... For my 3DS, they released the original... Like, the Lost Levels style? Yeah. Okay. So the original Super Mario Bros. 2 from Japan, the one that's really fucking difficult, I've always wanted to play it and and beat it just because I feel like that's a sign of pride. I haven't beaten it yet, but I have gotten to, like, World 5, which I feel is a major accomplishment because that game is the hardest fucking game I've ever played. It is fucking relentless. I can't tell if it's just poorly designed or sadistically designed. I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah. But it is a really fascinating game to play. So I am catching up on a 30-year-old game at this point. No, what I actually wanted to talk about is... Uh, I finally sat down and played Mass Effect. And we've talked at length about Mass Effect on this podcast before, because Sean loves it. Yeah. And, My favorite video game franchise right now. Oh, yeah. And I, I think... Here's the funny thing, is in this ongoing series of me playing games too late, the weird thing about Red Dead Redemption, which I've talked about on this podcast... Is that you never bought the fucking Bandolier. That was the weird thing. That was the weird thing. This, the other weird thing is that I really did got, get that game pretty shortly after it came out, like a couple months it yeah, just took I, me I remember talking to you about the game, like, yeah, like a month after it came out, and I was like, ah, oh, I guess I can't spoil anything for you, so I won't, I'll have to wait until you finish the game. Did not know that was going to be a two-year-long wait at that yeah. point. that was the weird thing about Red Dead. I did not get to the game extremely late. I still paid, like, you know, 40 bucks for it. Yeah. It's just that it took me two years to beat because I'm lazy when it comes to games. Mass Effect has kind of changed how I play games, because it wasn't even a week ago I sat down with my copy of Mass Effect 1, and I'm like, all right, I want to play this, I've got some free time before school starts, I want to play this game, I know it's kind of long, let's play it. And I wound up marathoning that sucker, and just sort of, that was my life for a week, was playing Mass Effect. And fuck if that is not maybe the best game I've ever played. 
And I started playing Mass Effect 2, and I know Mass Effect 2, you, from two hours, you can tell it's better. Yeah. And I, I just knew from, you've told me it was better. But I just wanted to mention, God, Mass Effect's good. I've had a ton of fun playing that. That's kind of what I'm doing now. And when I finish the trilogy, which should be relatively soon, in a couple weeks, I think we are going to do an episode on the whole Mass Effect trilogy. Because we have not gotten to do that yet. Yeah. And I don't think... I mean, a lot of people have talked about, obviously, maybe the individual games, but I don't know if there's been a whole discussion... There are too many big discussions just about sitting down and playing the whole trilogy, so it would be fun to do that. No, not really, just up. because after the sort of the craziness that happened after Mass Effect 3 ended, yeah. it's like, yeah, I think a lot be, of people have gone back and seriously looked at it. Yeah, I would like to just maybe, you know, it's one year out from Mass Effect 3, just sit down, take stock, what was this trilogy, talk about each individual game and how they all fit together, uh, and that Sean and I came to them from pretty different directions, and that Sean bought Mass Effect 1 when it came out, 2 when it came out, 3 yeah. when it came out, and I'm just sort of marathoning the whole, it all It all is kind of one long game. Yeah. So, but yeah, when I finished Mass Effect 1, and, and Mass Effect 1 doesn't even have a particularly good ending, but I just loved it so much, I literally got up off the couch, ran over to GameStop, bought 2, brought it back, and started playing 2. I just could not wait to play more of that game. It's awesome. Yes. Newsflash, Mass Effect is pretty awesome. Yeah. So... I'm, I'm horrible at playing games on a good schedule, but, you yeah. know, I have some downtime, so I'm going to play these. Anyway, let's get into our 2013 preview. Okay, let's. All right. So we're, now we're going to talk about what we came here to talk about. Let's yes. do this. All right, so 2013 preview. We're going to start with January. We're going to talk about whatever movies and games are coming out. Sean, are there any good games coming out in January? I believe there is at least one we are both excited yeah, about. There's only one that, like, and I, the, the list of games that I compiled, I should just say, is not like a super comprehensive one. I just sort of jotted down a lot of the noteworthy titles. And then also e 3s coming up, so a lot of the, we don't know a lot of the games that will be coming out this year. But, well, especially because we yeah. should probably mention in advance, this will be a weird year for games, because there will be new consoles out. Yeah, we'll be expecting new console announcements at E3, so... Yeah, and so all the big games that will be coming out in the holiday season will assumably not be for the current consoles. Yeah. So... Yeah, so games are going to be kind of weird this year, but uh, there's the uh, English final, like, localization, finally, that we have gotten of a Japanese RPG that came out in Japan, I think, about two years ago, yes. called Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch for the PS3. And it's coming out January something. It's I think like it's 20, 20th. Yeah, I think it's next week or the week after that, but... Yeah. And it's created in part by Studio Ghibli, which is what's so yeah, fun. Yeah, Studio Ghibli is doing all the art design behind it, and uh, Joe Hisaishi, the composer for most of the Studio Ghibli movies, is doing the music for the game. So it's got this art side of it is all Studio Ghibli and then I think it's uh, Level 5 Studios that has done a lot of JRPGs notably uh, I think it's Dragon Quest 8 and 9 were both oh, cool. done by them which those are some of the I don't play the Dragon Quest games but I've heard those are the really really good ones yeah so this I've is, always wanted to play them because I've heard yeah. nothing but good things yeah so this is it's going to be really interesting because you know obviously Jonathan you are a huge fan of the Studio Ghibli films yes and so and it just like you just have to go see a trailer for this game because the fucking the, it just looks beautiful. The, yeah. the way they've captured the Studio Ghibli style in 3D animation with all the movement and everything 
it's like nothing you've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen just looking at the trailer. So yeah, um, and then also one of the really great things about it, if you're picky about this kind of thing like we are, is that they do have the Japanese track on there with English subtitles, so you don't have to suffer through an English dub if you don't want to. Yes, so, so that's great. I mean, I will be switching that right off the bat. Yeah, because also, notably, the main character is like a 10-year-old kid, so... And America cannot do 10-year-old kids well in voice acting. Yeah, so... At least in we, dubbing. Yeah, so we, we've... So pretty excited about that game, and that's, you know... Other than that, there's like nothing coming out in January. Yeah, but, but I think I will definitely be picking that game up yeah. once I'm done with all the Mass Effect stuff, because I don't want to interrupt my Mass Effect playthrough... But uh, I, I don't know, if we get that game early enough and can beat it early enough, we'll definitely talk about it on here, because I think it would be of interest to our audience, but it, it made me dust off my PS3, which I have not used for games in God knows how long. Yeah. I have. It's kind of funny, I just brought my PS3 up to our apartment for the first time, and I went around looking for all the games I had for it, until I realized I only have two games for the PS3. An obscure Ratchet & Clank title that I bought when I got the console... And Final Fantasy Thirteen, So, <laughs> I have not yeah. used that system much for its intended purpose. Yeah, I, I never got a PS3, so I'm kind of excited to start digging into yeah. that huge backlog I have. I'm just, just making this huge... Like, every day I'm finding, like, new games that I haven't played that I really want to play. It's like the backlog just... It never stops growing. I agree, it's and I actually... Maddening. I think what I'm... My sort of current plan is that once I finish the Mass Effect games, I'm going to say I'm done with the Xbox for this generation, for the moment, and just, I'm going to focus on the PS3 for the rest of the year and try to catch up on, like, the Uncharted games. Yeah. I don't, I, there's a bunch of infamous, other little ones. The yeah. Infamous series is really well done, from um, what I've heard. And there's just a, there's, the PS3 just has a lot of also cool exclusives online that I would love to play, like old RPGs that I missed out on. Then, obviously, notably, Journey came out. Oh, yeah. The PSN title that everyone's fucking crazy about. Yeah, we haven't gotten to play that yet, so. See what the fuck that's all about. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to devote some more time to my PS3 because it is a it is a fantastic gaming console, and I feel kind of bad that I've neglected it for so long. I just my tastes sort of trend to the Xbox side, but the PS3 has had a lot of great games, and it's a really powerful console. Yeah, it's got a really good layout. I like their menus and everything. I like the controller. So, so yeah. Anyway, Nino Kuni looks really good. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. As far as movies in January. Not a lot coming out, but there are two of interest coming out this Friday, actually, that I'm kind of excited to see. Uh, one of them is Mama, which is a horror film produced by Guillermo del Toro. It premiered at Buttonamathon last December, and it's supposedly really, really good. It stars Jessica Chastain. I guess it's kind of a ghost story. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And I heard it's really effective, really scary, also very you know intelligent and well-made, and I am definitely interested in seeing that. Pretty much yeah, anything no, Guillermo I, del Toro. I'm, I'm interested in seeing it, too, at yeah. some point. I don't like watching horror movies in a theater, because I kind of... I don't know. I don't like watching horror movies with other people, because it kind of ruins the atmosphere for me, but yeah. when that comes out on DVD, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I might wait for a DVD on that, too, just because I may not have time to get to the theater, uh, and I'm not getting a press screen. Someone else on our site already reviewed it, so I'm not attending a screening for that one. I am attending a screening this Wednesday for the new Arnold Schwarzenegger film, The Last Stand, it looks actually kind of good, and I, I, I haven't really watched the trailers yet because I I've seen I'm the one close. like theatrical trailer that I okay. saw at a screening. So yeah, um, but I just what I've heard about it sounds interesting. The director, and I forget his name, he's a South Korean director who's very acclaimed. He's directed some movies that, while I have not seen them, I've heard really really good things about. They've appeared on a lot of top ten lists in the last couple of years. And it sounds like sort of the premise is a is a story that Arnold Schwarzenegger it might work really well for him. 
Uh, this is his first acting, lead acting gig since he was the governor of California. Mm-hmm. And I definitely, I want to see another good Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. So yeah. I'm ready to like this movie. If it's bad, it's bad. But if it's good, I would love this movie to be good. The, the thing I am most curious about that from having seen the trailer is it seems like he's like this sort of like really old, maybe ex-sheriff of the sort of like southwesterny, like near Mexico type American town. Yeah. And... He just on the trailer. He was the only person with an Austrian accent. I'm just curious if anybody takes note of the fact that it's kind of weird that there's somebody with a really heavy Austrian accent who apparently has been like living in this town his entire life and is the sheriff. So you'll have to let me know if that's part of the plot or if they're like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just deal with it. I want to know, Sean. What what would you prefer? Would you prefer they just ignore it or deal with it? I I think I think you kind of need to address it at some point. I think it's I don't know. I mean, everybody knows Arnold Schwarzenegger, but. It's just it's it's something that stands out in a lot of his roles is that he's not cast as someone who would necessarily have an Austrian accent. So it seems kind of strange that his characters have Austrian accents. Yeah. So the next big movie coming out in January, and aren't we so excited for this one? It's got such a creative premise. It's Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. It's what an amazing idea for a movie. And I can see on your list is another of this ilk down the line that's coming out yeah. in March of this weird this weird spout of we are making fairy tale shit again. All of a sudden people think that's really popular. Like we got a whole bunch of Snow White movies recently. It's like Well it's, it's interesting because it is popular on TV now because there's the Once Upon a Time series that's doing huge ratings for ABC and then Grimm on NBC, which is one of NBC's only big hits. I guess they've got more hits this year. They were the number one network in the fall. But anyway, uh, so it's popular on TV again, but all those movies have been kind of flopping. Yeah. Uh, the Kristen Stewart movie, the Snow White one, did not do very big. The Tarsim movie, Mirror Mirror, was an outright disaster. Um, so, yeah, it is weird that we're doing fairy tales. And then, yeah, it's like, and it's he, like, huge. Like, all of a sudden, there's so many fairy tale movies coming out. Yeah, and this, this Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters one looks so strange to me because... It's not like the other fairy tale things they're doing. They're doing like the exploitation, hard R, gory yeah. fairy tale idea, and that could be fun, I suppose. But the trailers look kind of awful, and I, I hate to say that because I like both of the people in this. Jeremy Renner is great, and I like Gemma Arterton a lot. I think she's got potential, but we'll see if the movie's any good. Well, I do have a screening for it. I regret to say, so I will tell you if it's any good. <laughs> I, I'm not excited to see it. Yeah, that's. Just I like I have I don't even think I've seen a trailer for this, but I'm just I, I don't have any opinions on whether or not the movie's going to be good. I just think it's weird that, that this is happening I think all of a sudden. That's where I am with it. Because it's, it doesn't I don't know. Maybe I just don't have my finger on the pulse of like popular culture, but I did not see a fairy tale resurgence coming right now. I did not either, and I, I should say, I mean I want to keep an open mind. If it's if it's good, that'd be nice. But it is sort of one of those things where it strikes you as strange and sort of, where did that come from? Yeah. So, we'll see. Like I said, uh, open mind, if it's good, I, I would like it to be good. I like the people in it. But we'll see. In February, are there any games coming out? Uh, yes, I believe there are. There are two notable games that, that I put down. First of all, there's uh, Dead Space 3, the third big of one. these Dead Space games. I've, I've only played Dead Space 1. I always wanted to play Dead Space 2, but, but with Dead Space 1, I think it, it's a really good game that... As the, the strength of Dead Space 1 is that it built a really effective atmosphere because it's all about you go to this sort of like desolate mining spaceship that is floating in orbit of this one planet that has like these necromorph zombie creatures on it and you are this dude Isaac and you are on this fucking ship and you need to fix the ship and find out what the fuck happened 
and it just had a, was really effective at building a really... It reminded me a lot of like a video game Alien, where it felt like the sci-fi elements were these hard sci-fi elements that were well-justified. There wasn't a lot of fantastical bullshit other than the Necromorphs themselves, and all that part of the game I thought was dumb. But they built the atmosphere really well in Dead Space 1, and one of the things I loved about Dead Space 1 was that they had these segments where you went into a zero-G section of the ship, and so you had these, like, magnetized boots, and so zero-G actually looked like, worked like zero-G. It wasn't like every spaceship fighting game ever, where it's like, yeah. well, I guess I am just somehow coming to a stop even though I am in space. So if I thrust in one direction, I need to thrust in the other direction to come to a stop. That's how fucking zero gravity works, and video games never get that. But then I played the demo for Dead Space 2, and it really disappointed me because there was a zero-G segment, and instead of you having magnetized boots, where you're just, like, jumping from one platform to another with these boots, you had little thruster packs on your suit, and then you coasted to a stop when you were using it. So I played the demo for Dead Space 2, and I was like, "Uh, you fucked it up. Dead Space 2 (laughs) might be an amazing game. That one detail literally killed all my enthusiasm for playing it. I will probably go back and play Dead Space 2 because I really like Dead Space 1. And then once I do that, I'll probably end up playing Dead Space 3 also. But, you know, just one of the more notable releases of this year. It's sort of the first really big game coming out alongside the other game coming out in February, which is Bioshock Infinite, the long-awaited... I guess, And sequel is kind of weird for calling it a sequel to Bioshock because there was Bioshock 2. But Bioshock Infinite is more we are taking the ideas of Bioshock and making another game as opposed to you know, we are setting another game in Rapture with big daddies and little sisters and shit. Here's here's the weird thing about Bioshock, is that Bioshock 2 seemed to just come and go with no fanfare, yeah. no real discussion, it just kind of, it was there, and no one kind of gave a shit about it. Yeah, I, I never played it just because I, the story of Bioshock 1 was so well done and I did not give a shit about seeing some, like, a chronological sequel to Bioshock 1. Yeah. I just did not care about that at all. So, it's just, it was a weird sort of miscalculation, and I kind of agree, because I like Bioshock 1, but it's it's just interesting. And then Infinite, as soon as it was really announced, it was like, everyone was very excited, because it's like, oh yeah, that's something new and cool and different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, I, that was always what I wanted from a Bioshock sequel, was that, you know, let's take the ideas of Bioshock, sort of the style of it, and then, you know, it's almost like a Final Fantasy sequel. Let's set it in, like, let's do a different setting and all that and, like, tell a completely different story with different characters. And I'm really excited about Bioshock Infinite. I'll definitely play that. We'll probably do a podcast on that one when that comes out. Yeah. Whenever we're able to finish it. It's kind of hard for us because, you know, we don't get video games early, so we have to yeah. try to, to haul our ass through them to be able to talk about them in a timely fashion on the podcast. Yes. Or else we're doing a three years too late Mass Effect retrospective. But, uh... It's somewhat relevant. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Anyway. But yeah, Bioshock Infinite looks fucking awesome. Yeah, and I think Bioshock Infinite will be a cool place to just jump in if you didn't play the earlier games. Yeah, because you don't need to have played. I I imagine, I don't think there's, from everything I've seen, there doesn't seem to be any connection to the other story. Right. So, So definitely, it's a a good game sort of to help end this this generation, it feels like. Good kind of capping note. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it, it'll be a good stepping stone to whatever they do for that franchise in the future. Yeah. So anyway, as far as whatever they're going to call, like they they put themselves in a weird position with naming the franchise the, the series Bioshock, where you've yeah. got the first game is Bioshock, and then you know we just ignore Bioshock Two, and now you've got Bioshock Infinite. But it seems like the title Bioshock, that part of it, seems wholly inappropriate to the style of yeah. this game. Where it's like in the first one, you know, it's got that sort of like weird 
sort of like steampunky, you're in this un- like underwater city. So Bioshock seemed like it kind of fits that. This is they're like up and it's like bright and they're in the clouds. And it's got this sort of like colonial America vibe to it. This is a Bioshock. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, it's funny, you compared it to Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is actually a little bit like that too, where after yeah. six, they kind of cease being fantasy games, like in terms of high fantasy. Yeah, not like Tolkien esque fantasy. They're yeah. now this weird. They're sort of everything s- fantasy. We're going yeah. to take everything, every style, and just mush it into one. There's, they've got sci-fi elements, steampunk elements, fantasy, but there's just it doesn't quite. It's not. They're not the simple idea of you know high fantasy that they yeah. once were. It's like mithril and shit. Yeah. All right. As for movies coming out in February. Really not a lot. There's the new Sylvester Stallone action flick, Bullet to the Head, which also premiered at Buttonomathon. Did not get very good reception, which is too bad. I always I, I like Sylvester Stallone. I'd love yeah. to see him in something good, but we'll see. There's this movie called Warm Bodies, which for some reason a lot of people are excited for. It's 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 like I guess it's sort of a Twilight parody kind of thing. Oh, is it the one that's like a romance, like a zombie romance? Thing? Yeah. I've I've heard about it. I've not seen yeah. any of the trailers or anything. Which that to me sounds, it, it could be good, and I'm definitely if it's good that'd be fun. Like if it has a good sense of humor and it's creative, but you're gonna have to deal with the fact that that's necrophilia. Yeah, yeah. So we will see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it is high time we stop the zombie shit. Yeah, but I, I guess that's the other thing. It's just that there's a really big zombie glut, so the movie will have to be very creative to stand out from that glut. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, it's not a traditional zombie yeah. story. So no, definitely kudos that advantage. But. Kudos to that, and I'm interested to see what it turns out to be because there's sort of all the marketing's been. It's hard to quite pin the movie down so far. Um, February 8th, I do want to mention, is the new Steven Soderbergh movie, which could be his final movie because he says he's retiring. It's called Side Effects. Stars Channing Tatum and Rooney Mara, a bunch of other good actors. Looks kind of good. Um, probably will never talk about that one on the podcast, but look for my review when it comes out. I very much like Steven Soderbergh because even when he makes bad movies, they are really interesting movies. And he's an interesting director to follow because I don't think he's ever made two similar movies. Yeah. It's part from maybe the Ocean series. Um, but even then, Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 are pretty different from one another. Yeah. Because one's good, one's awful, and one's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so, but the big release of February, a movie that we may or may not talk about on this podcast, is A Good Day to Die Hard. The fifth Die Hard movie that absolutely nobody asked for. And, 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 like, and you can tell just by like how desperate they are to try to like figure out fucking titles for these movies at this point. Yeah. A Good Day to Die Hard. And it's coming out, it was going to be coming out on Valentine's Day. I guess they, no, I think it still is. I have the date wrong here. It is, they're, they're doing a weird gimmick where they're putting it out on Valentine's Day. Which, I just, I, yeah, I get the joke, guys. It's, yeah. This uh, is not, a, this, oh, this isn't a Valentine's Day type movie, but it's coming out on Valentine's Day. Ha ha. yippee ki motherfucker. Yeah. So, we'll see on this one. Again, I never will root against a Die Hard movie. Die yeah. Hard is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. And I love two of the three sequels. And I even... I like Die Hard 2. I don't love it. I think it's kind of fun. In a, in a dumb 90s yeah. sequels way. Where it's kind of fun to pick out the ways... Here's where they're ripping off this scene from Die Hard 1. And here's where they're ripping off this scene. And it's, you know... It's very much a 90s sequel in that regard. But... And I even liked... I liked Live Free or Die Hard an yeah. awful lot. I did too. I, I think it's gotten, for some reason, it's gotten a weird, bad reputation in the last couple of years, but when it came out, everybody liked it. Yeah. And, as I they think should. it's a good movie. Yeah. 
I mean, there was that weird controversy where it was PG-13 and people thought that automatically made it bad. It didn't. It was fine. I I agree. The movie could have been spruced up more if they had just done an R, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And you could tell because when they did the unrated cut for the DVD and they just threw in a bunch of, like, audio-dubbed fucks and, like, shits and stuff, it's like, this isn't better. This is just awkward. (laughs) So anyway, I like Live for Your Die Hard. A Good Day to Die Hard has me worried for a couple of reasons. One is that it's directed by this guy, I think his name's Rich Moore. He's just a hired studio hand who's never made a good movie in his life. He's a pretty awful director, and I just, I don't really know why everyone is trusting him with a Die Hard movie. That being said, Len Wiseman had really only done the Underworld movies before doing Live Free or Die Hard, and he was a pretty good fit for that. But we'll see, I mean... I, my main issue with what I've seen from A Good Day to Die Hard so far and what makes me apprehensive is that it does not look like a Die Hard movie at all. And yeah. I think some people accuse Live Free or Die Hard of getting too big and making John McClane a superhero, but I actually I thought, think I think it did that a little bit too much by the time he was, like, with the fucking, like, Harrier jet yeah. that was floating and that, that but, got a little too far for me. But I don't think there was anything inherent about the movie and the story and the way it was presented that was un-Die Hard. I actually think it, yeah. was, it was nice that it, it was all personal for John McClane still... It all sort of had this very much instinctual feel to it where these things were just happening to him and he was swept up in it. And maybe that'll happen in A Good Day to Die Hard, but it looks like in this movie his son is working for the CIA or something and is mm-hmm. in Russia fighting the Russians because, you know, Sean, our main enemy in the world is the Russians. Yes, the super nationalist Russians from Call of Duty. And I, that's, that's they, right. That's all what, things. That's where we should probably just start with this. I am sick of seeing Russians as the bad guys and everything. Yeah. It's been like 25 years since the Cold War ended. Can we have someone else be the bad guys? Yeah. Especially because they always have to work themselves into narrative contortions to explain how these are, yeah, Russian ultra-nationalists or whatever the fuck they are. And I just, I'm not really interested in that. I'm not interested in John McClane going to another country and fighting to save America. I think the literally the official plot description by the studio was that John McClane is out to make the world safe for democracy. Because apparently this because, is... Because that's what Die Hard is about, right? Yeah. Democracy. No, Die Hard is about a really, really unlucky guy put in shitty scenarios. And who is he's a good guy, so he does the right thing. Yeah. and By killing a bunch of motherfuckers. Yeah. And, and, man, I mean, we talk about Live Free or Die Hard in parts becoming a little too big. Everything in the trailers for Good Day to Die Hard is, like, just super big, like, bombastic scenes where, like, he's jumping through buildings and, like, falling through yeah. windows and all this shit. And I, I don't know. It also, the, the visuals of it look kind of ugly to me. Yeah, it's really sort of gray. It yeah. Looks, it looks like the most games from the beginning of this generation of video games where it's, like, it's... The high definition, but everything is just grimy and gray because Gears of War looked like that. Yeah, and it's it's shot in sixteen by nine, whereas all the other movies were shot anamorphic. Just things like that, where I just I don't know how much effort is really being putting it put in on the production side. Bruce Willis looks like he's game, and maybe he'll be fun. Yeah. And I've 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 heard Jai Courtney, who's playing his son, is a good actor, and it might be fun to explore that relationship. But yeah, at the very least, I found it. I find the idea interesting of his son being this sort of, like, professional agent for the CIA or whatever. Like, I yeah. find that that relationship could be done really well. It could be. And they did a really good job with his daughter in four, with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. So, we'll see. If it's, again, I would like this to be good. I will go see it when there's a press screening, and I will give it a fair shot. It's just, I'm a little worried, especially because Die Hard does not seem like a series that needs to have five movies. Yeah. Four was pushing it, even though I do like all four. And 4, I think, was a good revival of it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... Yeah, uh, it just doesn't... Yeah. yeah, I agree. It doesn't... You don't need to keep on making Die Hard movies. Yeah. But if it's good, that would be nice. I feel like we're saying that a lot. Yeah. In March, are there any games coming out? Uh, let's see what I have on my list. Uh, oh, first of all, there is... Like the the Die Hard sequel that nobody is looking for, we've got the Gears of War sequel that nobody is looking for. That's coming out in March. Yeah, Gears of War Judgment. It's coming out in March because okay. we need another Gears of War game apparently after Gears of War Three. Even though I think this one is set before or like slightly concurrent with Gears of War One, I'm not entirely sure. It's you're playing as Cole and Baird through it. It's kind of following their story before they meet up with Marcus. It's so weird because Three to me perfected the game, yeah. just the game mechanics so well that I would I would be happy having three for the rest of this generation and just playing that when I want to get a Gears of War kick, which I yeah. sometimes do because it's a fun game. Yeah, I agree. I think Gears of War 3 is by far the best Gears of War game. I thought oh, yeah. that was an absolutely tremendous game. The sequel is coming out way too soon. Yeah. I think anybody is really looking for it. You know, Cliff Bozinski, the lead designer through those games, left Epic Games earlier the last year, and so he's not... As far as I know, he's not involved with it at all right now, so... They've done a shit job promoting it, too. I had yeah. no idea. I thought... I knew it was coming out this year, but I assumed it was like a Christmas release or something. Nope, nope. It's March. So. I mean, I understand them wanting to get it out before the next console cycle, but why not wait and make one as a launch game for, like, the next Xbox? Because, man, they have all these art assets from Gears of War 3 that they could just use again on another game. <laughs> You know, Assassin's Creed did it. They made three fucking games off of Assassin's Creed 2. It's like, I guess they're like, fuck it, we'll make another game off of Gears of War 3. Call it Gears of War Judgment. All right, well... So that's coming out. I will almost definitely not get that. It might be really good. Like, you know, I'm making fun of it just because I really dislike the sort of, like, the sequel that comes out too soon that just uses all the assets from the first game. But, you know, it could still be good if it is really good and everyone says it's amazing. I might pick it up, but... And I just don't... I guess my view on it is that I've never really cared about the campaigns in Gears of War. Yeah. I think 3 had a really good campaign, but I still didn't care too much about the story or characters. Yeah. I really just... I love the multiplayer in those games, and 3, to me, is just... That's a perfect multiplayer suite. It's great. It's the ultimate version of Gears of War, and I don't know if I need to spend 60 bucks to get a slight update of that. Yeah, I completely agree. Although, the one thing I have seen from some of the stuff they're talking about with Gears of War Judgment is they're try- they want to go a little bit more back to the slightly survival horror elements that were in Gears of War 1, which sounds like that could be kind of fun. I don't know how well that's going to pan out or how much of that's really going to be in the game, but, you know, that's what they've been saying. All right. So Gears of War Judgment, it, it might be okay. See, then also out in March, we've got uh, the, the revival of the Tomb Raider series called Tomb Raider. I am actually interested in this game. I would yeah, like I to too. play this. I've, it seems like it's really interesting. It's the only time I've ever really been interested in Tomb Raider game. I played... Uh, one of the ones that came out on 360 was the only Tomb Raider game I seriously played in my is this one? Is this one coming out on the PS3? Uh, yes, it's 360, PS3, and might be PC also. Okay, this is definitely one I would like to get for the PS3, because the graphics look so good, and the PS3 can do better graphics. Yeah. Um, that just sounds like it would be fun. I, I just, I've always kind of been interested in Tomb Raider, and I've played a little bit here and there, but I've always felt kind of distanced from it, but this feels like, because they really are kind of rebooting it, they're starting from the ground floor again. Yeah, they're a, making it a lot more grounded. Yeah. Is the thing that I like about it. It's like more, you know, this girl is trapped on this island and needs to survive, and there's some crazy shit going on, but it's not yeah. like this... You know, I'm walking into this Mayan temple, and oh, there is this crazy fucking puzzle with like a bunch of like rolling boulders and shit that these yeah. mines set up, like Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Like I that was, was kind of fun, but yeah. the direction they're going in, the much more serious direction of this game, seems a lot more interesting to me. Yeah, I'd definitely like to give it a try. I think it could be really good, and even if it's just kind of 
mediocre, it would be kind of fun to just see it going in the right direction or something. I mean, it'll yeah. definitely be interesting to see how they try to revitalize Tomb Raider when Uncharted kind of came in and took over that genre. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm so that's and then also I remember when the game was announced, they have this fucking phenomenal CG trailer that's oh, like yeah. nothing to do with any of the gameplay or anything. This fucking CG trailer was great. Yeah, so that's that's why I want to get it on the PS3. Yeah. Is it looks phenomenal? That's like it's one of those trailers. Like there's another the game Dead Island that came out like two years ago had a trailer. It's like the game. Even if the game's not that good, I just like watching the fucking trailer because the trailer is just awesome. Oh yeah. So if you haven't seen the Tomb Raider trailer, I highly recommend it. And let's see. I also believe in March is coming out uh, StarCraft II: Heart of the Swarm, which is the second. Or I guess the first expansion to StarCraft II, where when StarCraft II came out, they sort of said, we're going to... Because if you don't know that much about StarCraft, it's a RTS game, real-time strategy, with where there are three different playable races, the Terran, the Zerg, and the Protoss. And in the first StarCraft game and its expansion pack, Brood War, they had full campaigns where you played as each of the races through, like, ten missions. And then when Blizzard decided they were going to make StarCraft II... The original StarCraft II only had a Terran campaign, but it was, like, a really fully fleshed out, like, 30-mission-long Terran campaign focusing on the Terran race and those characters. And they said, we're going to make expansion packs. It's been, like, two or three years since StarCraft II came out. So, you know, it's Blizzard sort of has the same thing as Valve, where we're going to make this game, but we're going to make it eventually. There's going to be an expansion pack for StarCraft II. It will come out, you know, basically three years from now. But it's going, the heart of the swarm is going to be, it's going to have a full Zerg campaign. It's obviously going to throw in some new units and stuff to change up the multiplayer. And I've never been really interested in the multiplayer side of StarCraft 2, but I really love the StarCraft 2 campaign. I really love the campaigns in the original StarCraft games, so when Heart of the Swarm comes out, I'll definitely pick that up and play through that campaign again, because you don't get a lot of real-time strategy games nowadays. That, that genre is sort of kind of dying in a really sad way, especially the the type of it that StarCraft is, where you have all the base-building elements and the resource management. So it's a nice throwback to an older genre from the 90s that I was really fond of and definitely looking forward to Heart of the Swarm. And then probably three years from when that comes out, we might get Legacy of the Void, the Protoss campaign. But, <laughs> you know, that's... Those expansion packs, man, apparently they take as long to make as, you know, this is what's amazing, that they shit out, like, a Gears of War sequel one year after Gears of War 3 comes out, then they, they, they say that they're going to have, like, a StarCraft 2 expansion pack that will be, like, one year after StarCraft 2 comes out, three years later, <laughs> finally we get a fucking StarCraft 2 expansion, but... Well, good for them. Yeah, definitely, it's been a long time coming, and pretty excited for that one, and I think that is about all there is for it, games that I am curious about that will be coming out in March. Yep. All right. March first is, I believe, what you were just referencing before with Fairy Tales. Yes. The next Fairy yes. Tale movie. I've seen this trailer at every single fucking movie I've been to at the theater. It's Jack the Giant Slayer, directed by. Uh, why am I forgetting? Brian Singer. Sorry. Yeah. Brian Singer, director of the X Men movies. I like Brian Singer. He can make good movies. And apparently, this is a passion project for him. And I was. I am interested in this movie because I like Brian Singer and I understand he's been trying to get this made for a number of years, but that trailer is kind of a mess. Fucking awful. Yeah. It's one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. It's such a pain to sit through. It's one of those trailers that feels like it's ten minutes long. Yeah. I hate every single moment in that trailer. I know. It it looks... I just... I don't know if it looks generic or just kind of awkward or what. It's just... 
Yeah, it just looks dumb to me. That's that's the yeah. word I would use to describe it. It looks dumb, and I don't know why Ian McGregor is in it because it doesn't look like yeah. the role he's in. It's not seem like a role that Ian McGregor would take. And I love Ian McGregor. Yeah, he's no, of, me too. He's one of my favorite actors. But yeah, we'll see. It's, it does have some good cast members, and I like, like I said, like Brian Singer. But I don't. Does the world need a massive Jack and the Giant Beanstalk reboot, Sean? Like a badass, <laughs> no. epic, like Lord of the Rings version of Jack and the Giant fucking Beanstalk? It's like, it, it's it's just like, why is Jack now all of a sudden, like, you know, Jack the Giant Slayer, Slayer? Like, he's going to go around killing giants, or does he become fucking huge and just starts killing people himself? I don't know. This is kind of left ambiguous with that title. I hope, I hope it ends where he becomes fucking huge and he's just like a giant slasher villain. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, Jack the Giant Slayer. Nice. All right. March 8th is Oz the Great and Powerful. This is the new Wizard of Oz reboot yeah. from uh, Sam sort of Raimi. fairy tale-ish. Yeah. From Sam Raimi, director of the Spider-Man trilogy, Evil Dead trilogy. Uh, he has not done much in the last couple of years. He did the movie Drag Me to Hell that I know a lot of people liked. I still have not seen it. I, yeah, feel I haven't bad. seen that one either. I feel bad about that. I want to see that. I like yeah. Sam Raimi. We, we are pro-Sam Raimi at this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. So... Sam Raimi's actually got some other stuff coming out this year, but we will talk about that soon. In any case, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful is... This is an interesting one. I would really like this movie to be good. I would, too. I like Sam Raimi, and I think Oz as a fantasy landscape has a lot of potential, and no one's ever really tapped into most of it, because there's the 1939 movie with Judy Garland that everyone loves, for good reason. It's a great movie. But, for some reason, once that movie came out, everyone thought that's the version of Wizard of Oz we need to do. Yeah. And no one has ever really broken out of that successfully. Mm-hmm. Even the Return to Oz movie, the super fucked up Disney film yeah. that was sort of the sequel to that film, it's, it's, it definitely went in different directions, and I will give it that. But it is still beholden to like the continuity of that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, I want to see something else. And my, that is my one major hesitation about Oz the Great and Powerful is that it looks very much beholden to the design of the 1939 movie. It looks like they are positioning it directly as a prequel to that. And I don't need a prequel to that, but I may need a movie where James Franco plays the wizard because that yeah, sounds that's, fucking awesome. That's the thing I'm most excited about is yeah. that I've, I've seen the trailer several times and the trailer yeah. seems okay, but James Franco as the wizard seems fucking awesome. Well, there's a lot of other good people yeah. in it too. Mila Kunis as one of the witches. I love that. Mm-hmm. And And... She and James Franco will have a delightfully odd chemistry. I think yeah. we can we know that already. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it, it just yeah. I, I think it could be good. And I Sam Raimi is a really interesting visual craftsman, and the movie looks very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I guess my other reservation is that Disney's track record with live action movies recently has been pretty fucking abysmal. They've made some really bad live action movies lately. I think. It's just there was this weird era where, and I think part of it is the success of movies like Alice in Wonderland has made them get kind of lazy. I mean, Alice in Wonderland was a lazy piece of shit movie, and yet it made a billion dollars worldwide. And it was just, it's just two hours of exposition. That's all it is, that Alice in Wonderland movie. It's a weird prequel slash sequel slash remake of the animated film, but not really. It's it's very odd. It's all exposition. It's it's not really all... It's a terrible movie. It's one of the worst things Tim Burton's ever done. But... And, and my one worry is that Oz the Great and Powerful may follow that vein and just get lost down a rabbit hole of exposition. But who knows? I did like Tron Legacy. That was one of the only good live-action Disney movies that has come out lately. But... Yeah. You know. I'm... I'm, I'm 
I'm optimistic about this one. I, I want to see it. I, I, I think it will be good. If yeah. not great, I think it'll be at least it'll at least be good. I agree, and I am optimistic about it because unlike Tim Burton, who is perfectly willing to sign his name to really lazy projects, Sam Raimi, for the most part, does he he makes movies he wants to make. Yeah, he's he's a pretty passionate filmmaker. So. Yeah, he definitely is. I mean, there's there's Spider Man Three, which is an outlier, but that's an outlier. But that's because there's huge studio involvement, oh, yeah. so yes. can't like lay that at his feet. Yeah, and I don't think he would... I, that's my what makes me optimistic about Disney's role in this, is I don't think he would sign on for this if Disney was super involved in his yeah. creative elements. So, this should this should be fun. Yeah. Alright, March 29th is G.I. Joe Retaliation. And I wanted to mention this one because there's such a weird story about this, is that the, at the literally the last minute, this was supposed to come out last June, and they just pulled it from the schedule and put it in March because they wanted to convert it to 3D because that's what everyone wants now. Yeah. And I guess this is this is sort of a sequel to the first GI Joe. It's it's sort of as I understand it, it's sort of a half reboot, half sequel because it's got a lot of new characters played by Dwayne Johnson and Bruce Willis and a bunch of other action stars. But in the original movie, that was one of the first films Channing Tatum starred in, and Channing Tatum has since become one of the biggest movie stars in the world. I think he yeah. set a record last year for like the number of movies one person has starred in in one year that each made $100 million or more. He's, he's a really good actor. He's a good movie star. I really like Channing Tatum, and I can uh, un- kind of understand this. I guess in the original cut of Retaliation, they kill him off in like the first ten minutes, and they realized, oh wait, he is an asset. We need to redo the movie, and so I guess they reshot it, so now he's a main character, which is really weird to me. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah. So I guess he doesn't die now, and it's, now you can see it in glorious converted 3D... But I was actually kind of looking forward to this before it came out because I, the trailers were kind of fun. It's got Bruce Willis. It's got Dwayne Johnson. It looks like it might be just a nice 80s throwback. And it looks a lot more sort of hardcore action style than the original G.I. Joe, which I did not see because it looked boring as I shit. I didn't see it either. And yeah. it, I, mean, I, don't even, I don't even give a shit about G.I. Joe. Like, that's I don't not either. a franchise. I've never watched any of the cartoons or anything. So No, I, I, have, I have no yeah. affection for it. I know nothing about G.I. Joe, but it looked like it could be a fun action movie. Hmm. So we'll see when it comes out. But it's such a weird thing they did, too, because that marketing campaign was in full steam. There were trailers and TV spots for that everywhere, and I haven't seen any new marketing for it since then, and it's coming out pretty soon. So. Yeah, if the, I th- it just seems like when you decide to pull a movie for like a year and then reshoot most of it to have a, like a new main character in it. it seems like you've already killed the movie at that point right yeah. it's just like how does that movie then come out good doesn't so, I don't think so it might not have come out good in the first place but it would have at least had a shot yeah but alright in April are there any video games uh, I don't think so on my list not really I mean there, there might be but there's a lot of like video games that are like eh, to be announced so. yeah do we know when the top one on your list there comes out? No, uh, we might as well talk about it now because it'll probably be coming out in spring. Is yeah. uh, Grand Theft Auto Five got announced in there? They basically said, yeah, it'll probably be spring 2013, but they haven't narrowed it down. I would probably expect it sometime in May if it were yeah. me. But Grand Theft Auto Five, yeah, fucking Grand Theft Auto Five. How can you not be excited about this? Dude, it looks awesome. I'm yeah. so I'm so happy that they're deciding to sort of change up the formula and do something new with having that sort of a three protagonist type thing. Yes. So if you don't know, Grand Theft Auto V, which is set in San Andreas, like the San Andreas game, um, although it's a much bigger version of San Andreas, much more detailed, uh, the sort of the the narrative conceit to this game is that you play as three different criminals who are sort of connected, but they're at different points in their crime careers. 
And instead of sort of having downtime and missions that are just sort of where you're a guinea pig and you're just running back and forth, mm-hmm. now whenever there's downtime in one character's story, you jump to another character, play as them for a while, you jump back. It just the narrative pushes you around. Yeah. So it sounds like it's still very much Grand Theft Auto open world, open structure, but with a little more structure to how you play the game. Yeah, and, and, and I like that. And you know, it seems like they maybe have they kind of wanted to do something like this after with the Grand Theft Auto Four they did. Uh, the Lost and the Damned and the Ballad of Gay Tony, those two expansion packs with the different main characters that were sort of loosely connected to Nico's storyline where, you know, they had some of the same cutscenes and they was all involved with, like, the diamonds from that game. So it seems like they, they sort of wanted to do something like that and now they're fully pushing for it. And it yeah. seems like a really interesting kind of thing to do. So, Oh, yeah. And then also, you know, Grand Theft Auto 4 was one, is one of my favorite games of this generation. Red Dead Redemption definitely is. Oh, yeah. So... I think Rockstar just kind of gets better and better with each game they make. Yeah, and so this will be... I'm kind of looking at this game as this is going to be the cap to this generation for me. That is like, you know, Rockstar has now... This will be like, what, the third game they've made on these consoles? Third major game. Yeah, so it'll be sort of the culmination of what they've learned how to do with these consoles. And it'll be really cool to see what, what the... Like the limits of the Xbox 360 and the PS3 are for this generation before we move on to the next. This might be another one that I wind up getting on the PS3 just because I expect the Xbox 360 version will have to be on like eight separate discs. And yeah. and I just Rockstar makes such beautiful games, I'd like to see them in the best graphics possible. Yeah. But yeah, so. definitely this is going to be a great capper to the generation, and I'm really excited to have it and then be able to just kind of move on and be like, alright, now what? Mm-hmm. So Grand Theft Auto V looks great. Let's see what's coming out in April. On April 5th, this is really exciting, Sean. Are you are you excited for this? The 3D re-release of Jurassic Park? Oh, yay. I am so excited. Dinosaurs in 3D, Jonathan. How great will that be? <laughs> Moving on. April 12th. <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to say? It's like, this was... Like, awesome. yeah, what is, what is, like, the cheapest fucking 3D, like, cash-in could you possibly do with Jurassic Park? Like, this uh, is... Star Wars prequels. But at least that's got some history behind it with George Lucas is kind of crazy. So, yeah. it's like, you know, Jurassic Park 3D, like, fucking really? It's, Who asked for that? No one asked for that. And I assume this was just commissioned when Avatar came out, and now it's coming out so too late. I mean, no one cares about 3D anymore. It's, we'll see. Although, I, you know, I might have to go see it just to see Jeff Goldblum in 3D. Yeah, like, that's chaos theory. Yeah, that's... That might be worth the price of the ticket alone, is just seeing a little bit of 3D with Jeff Goldblum. Be yeah. like, Jeff Goldblum's really there! <laughs> but yeah, Jurassic Park 3D. Alright, April 12th. Uh, the, the, there's a, a couple movies coming out on April 12th I'm interested in. I'm really excited for the movie 42. This is the biopic about Jackie Robinson, one of the most celebrated baseball players of all time. It stars... I do, I do not remember the man's name who was playing Jackie Robinson. I have IMDb up here. Um, and it does not... Oh, it's they put him down at the very bottom. Because that makes sense. Yeah. It's a, it's a guy named Chadwick Boseman. I have not seen him in a movie before, I don't think, but I did see that the new trailer for this came out the other day, and it looks great. He looks like a great Jackie Robinson. Harrison Ford is the co-star in this, as I guess his coach or mentor, and that's I will watch anything with Harrison Ford, because yeah. he's a fucking god. And it's directed by Brian Helgeland, who has who is a kind of promising director. I've seen some other stuff by him that I did not hate. Um, in any case, uh, or I guess he's a writer more often, um, is what I meant to say. In any case, interesting filmmaker. This is a really interesting topic. I would love for this movie to be good. I, I like baseball. I like good baseball movies when they exist. And we've had a couple of good baseball movies recently. So, 
and definitely Jackie Robinson is a guy deserving of a film about him, so this could be good. Yeah. Now, the one you're probably a little uh, yeah. more interested in yeah, is the Evil Dead remake is coming out April 12th. And while yeah. most of the times a remake of a really popular horror movie would just be sort of like, oh, God, what are they doing to this franchise now? This is interesting. Because yeah. Sam Raimi is not only producing, he's intimately involved, as I understand it. And so is Bruce Campbell. Yes. So, yeah, like a lot of the, the guys behind the original movie are sort of, they're in sort of like supporting roles. They're not like making the movie, but they're sort of like advising and helping it. Yeah. And and the screenplay was written in, in its first draft, at least. I think someone else revised it by Diablo Cody, who is the writer of Juno and Young Adult, some other Jason Reitman movies. I really like her writing, and I think she could write a really effective horror movie. Um, she, she should write a Diablo movie, just off the Blizzard franchise, she, just because she has to now. Yeah. Her name is Diablo. I, but you bring her and in. she should play Diablo. There we go. <laughs> anyway, but there's a lot of promising talent to this. I like a lot of the actors involved in it, and I think the trailers have been pretty interesting. I like that they're really going back to the, the serious horror tone of Evil Dead 1. Yeah. And it's well, pretty serious pretty, horror tone. Yeah. yeah. As serious as, as Sam Raimi can yes. manage. But this one may be even more dark. And it's, yeah, it definitely looks like it's... One of the best choices I think they've made is that they're not... This is, this is in the vein of Evil Dead... But they're not remaking like the most iconic elements in that this does not have ash in it. They're not yeah, trying yeah, to replace Yeah, yeah, there's no new Bruce Campbell because nobody can replace that chin. Instead, I don't remember the actress's name, but there's the, the main character is going to be female. And I believe the conceit for it is why they go to the cabin in this movie instead of it's just, fuck it, we want to go to a cabin. We've got like, it's like spring break or whatever it is in the first movie. Instead, this girl is like a heroin addict or she's addicted to some kind of drug. And they're sort of, you know, they're having an intervention for her, and that's why they're going to the cabin. And that seems like a really interesting sort of character device for, for one, have a good explanation for them to be in the cabin. And have these people kind of be dealing with issues already that would then be exacerbated by the evil dead coming alive with the Necronomicon and shit. Yeah. I don't remember if Jane Levy is playing the main character, but Jane Levy is one of the actresses in this movie. I really like Jane Levy. She's on the show Suburgatory right now. She's been in some movies. She's a, just a good actress. Yeah, so. Usually comedic, but she could probably do dramatic too. And it's just it's interesting because the Evil Dead franchise is definitely one that has legs to be explored in other capacities, and it yeah. looks like they are really committed to exploring it in a really creative way. Yeah, this is definitely like what, if you want to see a remake or a reboot of a franchise, is kind of how you want it to be done. That you've yes. got the people originally involved involved in it, but they've got new blood in there too that are sort of helping take it in a different direction. It's like, and everybody's really excited about it. Oh, yeah. You know, if you ever see an interview with Bruce Campbell or Sam Raimi talking about this movie, they're all 100% behind it. They, they want to make this movie. It's it's the exact opposite of a like cheap cash grab. So, Like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D that came out last week that I had no yeah, idea existed? I, yeah, no, me too. It's it's the exact opposite of that. Yes. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see the new Evil Dead movie. Again, I'm not sure if I will see it in theaters because I don't like watching horror movies I, that way. But I, I would like you to see it in theaters because I think this would be a fun one to talk about on the podcast okay. in April. I will, because I will make an effort then to see it. I definitely, I mean, if I get a screening, I'll, you can just come with me. Okay. See it for free. In any case, uh, the, the thing I want to say about Evil Dead is in April, it would be fun. I want to do an episode on the trilogy because I really have, I've seen parts of those movies, but I haven't sat down and watched all of them. I need to do that. Yeah. And we should talk about those. Sean, you're a big fan of those movies. Yeah, yeah. So we could talk about the old, the, you know, the original films, talk about the new one, talk about how the series has had a million different tones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's... Do you think the remake series will eventually get to like Army of Darkness levels of silliness? 
And it's like, I would almost want them to go with, like, a completely, like, make the serious version of Army of Darkness. Like, <laughs> like not, like, necessarily, like, the plot or anything, but how ridiculous and campy Army of Darkness is, and have, like, the dark reflection of that, like, have and just call it Army of Darkness. <laughs> I, I want them to make that, and just have it be the most depressing, sad, horrific movie ever made by mankind. Like, that's what I want this series to go in. So it seems like this, because it seems like this one is sort of the dark reflection of the original Evil Dead movie. But the original Evil Dead is a serious film, but it's got some campy, cheesy elements. The effects are super over the top. It's like, this one seems like it's this, like, really serious, down-to-earth version of that, as down-to-earth as that Evil Dead could possibly be. Right. So, yeah. I've, it would be really cool to see this turn into a new Evil Dead franchise. Yes. And then they make the same movie kind of again with Evil Dead 2. Now... <laughs> Here's what's funny, is April 12th also has, in addition to Evil Dead, Scary Movie 5. I feel like one of those movies is going to have to move from that date, right? Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's the day where people who actually want to see a horror movie will go see Evil Dead, and then people who say they want to see a horror movie actually go see Scary Movie, or that they like horror movies would go see Scary Movie 5. I cannot believe there just there is a Scary Movie 5. It feels like that whole trend of just making endless parody movies that have... That are just fucking awful. I felt like that ended. Like it, it, yeah, it definitely it felt like it kind of stopped after they stopped. Like they went from making scary movie into like like epic movie and all those other like Meet the Spartans and all the shitty. Yeah, I mean, that's, I've only seen Scary Movie one. And I barely remember it, but I assume all the other ones are just completely shit. I saw Epic Movie, and it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. Yes, that that is a kind of movie that those movies seem like. And Scary Movie five, I saw the trailer for it. I think we talked about this on the podcast with all the theater shit looks like just terrible which yeah. is sad because it's the like, premise could be really funny yeah someone should absolutely paranormal activity yeah you could totally parody paranormal activity and have fun with it this I guess they're making a cheap Charlie Sheen Lindsay Lohan joke because yeah. haha they're fuck ups yeah whatever so. don't give them attention yeah don't go see Evil Dead don't see Scary Movie 5 April is kind of a busy month, because after that, April 19th is a movie I think we mentioned last week called Oblivion. Yeah. This is the new movie from the director of Tron Legacy. It stars Tom Cruise, and it's, I guess he's an astronaut, Earth Marine or something, going to Earth, like, millennia after it's yeah. sort of collapsed. Morgan Freeman plays the bad guy. Trailer is interesting. Yeah, yeah, the, tra- the trailer definitely is pretty interesting, so... I'm, I'm definitely curious about this one. Yeah, and I, I kind of, I don't want to know anything more about it before I see it. Yeah, I, I thought the trailer was a good tease without giving you any plot details. I'd like to go in cold because that's how science fiction should be enjoyed. Damn it. Yeah. Um, and then April 26th is one that I am actually excited for in spite of myself. This is Pain and Gain. It's the new film from Michael Bay. I guess it's a passion project he's been oh, trying yeah. to make for years, and it's Mark Wahlberg and Dwayne Johnson. And some other fine actors. I, I think Anthony Mackie is in this. I may be wrong on that. But I, if it is, I'd love Anthony Mackie. But Pain and Gain is... It's got a stupid title. And it's got, like, all the posters are, like, super Michael Bay. Where it's, like, two really buff guys in front of an American flag. So, but the trailer is good. And the, the story they have to work with is kind of interesting. And it's kind of brutal and morality-free in a way that could very well serve Michael Bay's limited talents. Yeah. And... This could be fun. I, I, I like that Michael Bay is coming down to earth after several shitty Transformers movies. Yeah. Definitely curious about this one. Yeah. If it's... I, I definitely am apprehensive because, boy, has he made a lot of bad movies recently. Yeah. No kidding. But Transformers 3 was decent. And it was, in parts, actually very good in terms of just as an action vehicle. This movie has an actual story and characters, so we'll see. But 
It's been. A, when was the last time Michael Bay made a movie with actual stories and characters? Would that be Bad Boys Two? I think so. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, May is when things get exciting. Are there any games coming out in May? Uh, yes, actually, one game that I'm very excited about. It's a PS3 exclusive, so it's it's very good that you brought up the PS3 because when this comes out, I'll definitely be playing this game. It's The Last of Us, the next game from Naughty Dog, and it's sort of. Naughty Dog has been touting this game for a while as doing a lot of interesting things with the narrative and with character development, and it sort of seems like it's a very grounded, post-apocalyptic type story that I think maybe has some zombie stuff in it, but I don't think really, like, I think I think zombies are somehow involved, but all the marketing, I have never seen a zombie, it seems it's all about, you know, shit is fucked in this world, it's, and... Your main character is helping along this girl in some capacity. I don't know that much about like the overall story stuff because they haven't said that much about it. But you're just playing this sort of like older man helping this girl, and you're moving through this world, and you just have to deal with shit. Is what it seems like. You have to deal with you. You kill people, and like in from the trailers and the stuff I've seen from like the full like gameplay videos, it seems like they take a lot of effort to make the violence feel violent in a way that you don't want to engage in it because you don't want to, like, do this shit to other people. Like, you don't want to set a dude on fire in this game, because you're setting a fucking dude on fire, and that's a fucked up thing to do. But sometimes, you know, you know, when someone's coming after you with a knife, you gotta do something. And so this definitely seems like, and like, even more so than Tomb Raider, it seems like this is sort of taking a very serious direction with video games that I'm very interested in, because I've always, I've been bugged for a while now about how uh, but, like, you know, just how much just killing there is in every single video game and how that seems like it's always contrary to a lot of stuff that's going on in the story. Like with Grand Theft Auto 4 does that, and Red Dead Redemption does that, where at a certain point you've killed 10,000 people while you're playing this game. It's like, John Marston would not, could not possibly be doing this. Like, he would be fucking crazy. He would be emotionally destroyed if he had killed 10,000 people. He would be this complete fucking sociopath. So it seems like, like me. Yeah, exactly. Like how you played him. So, it's yeah, it definitely seems like this is a very interesting thing to uh, d- interesting direction to take sort of narrative in video games and have this very serious story in a game. And so I'm very excited about Last of Us. Yeah, me too. Uh, on the movie side, shit, is this a busy month with sequels up the ass? May third, we start with Iron Man three. How excited are we for Iron Man 3? Super fucking excited. So this is God, this, it looks good. Yeah, this will be the first of the second phase of the Marvel movies after yes. the Avengers. And Fitting that it starts with Iron Man again. Yeah, and it looks fucking awesome. That I trailer. Mean, the important, that trailer. That trailer is fucking great. And the important thing to note here is that Jon Favreau is not returning for this film. It is Shane Black who wrote and directed uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s revival movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And he and Robert Downey Jr. have a very close working relationship, and it sounds like he really wanted Shane Black to come in and do the third Iron Man. And so Shane Black is writing and directing it, and just from the trailer you can tell that there's a very new, distinctive stamp on the Iron Man universe, and I am very excited for that. Because while I liked Iron Man 2, I definitely feel like it didn't push forward as much as it should have. Yeah, it felt like it was a little too much more of the same from Iron Man 1. Yeah. And I feel like Iron Man is a character, as the Avengers prove, that you can take in a lot of different directions yeah. and, and have different voices come in and imagine that character. And it's just everything about Iron Man 3 looks exciting. 
Uh, it even looks like the Mandarin is going to be interesting. Yeah, the, at least at the very least, we will have a movie or a villain in an Iron Man movie that is not just another dude in an Iron Man suit. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that, even if it is a little weird that we have Ben Kingsley, a British dude, playing the Mandarin who is supposed to be like, you know, he's called the fucking Mandarin. Yeah, he's Chinese. He's supposed to be Chinese, but that's what Ben Kingsley does, man. But at the very least, they're not making Ben Kingsley play a Chinese. Dude. Yeah. At the very least. <laughs> They've changed the character so that the character is British. It's just kind of weird that they did that in the first place. It's not like Prince of Persia where they have Ben Kingsley in, like, brown face doing an yeah. Arabic bad guy. Yeah, yeah. At, le- at the very least, it's not that. They're just like, no, fuck it. We want to play, we want Ben Kingsley in this movie. We'll make a British Mandarin. But I am so excited to see, sort of, get back after the Avengers to Tony Stark's issues, sort of, on his own outside of the team, yeah. and see what he and, and Pepper Potts are up to. I really liked the scenes with them in the Avengers. I want to see Don Cheadle's um, War Machine, again. Yeah. And, yeah, what War Machine is up to. There's a lot of good actors in this movie, and it's just, it's, ah, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, and it'll just be cool to see what they're going to start seeding for with this next phase. And, like, oh, yeah. You know, they're obviously going to have all this shit planned out for how, like, this is going to connect to the eventual Avengers 2. Yes. So. Going to be great. So, May 10th is a movie that I am also... I am actually extremely excited for this one because I just want to see what the final product looks like. And that yeah, is, I, I will say I'm excited for that movie in that way. Yes. And this is The Great Gatsby. This is Boz Lerman's hyperactive adaptation of the F. Scott Fitzgerald classic. I love the book. It's a really interesting story. And I have actually defended this film quite a lot uh, from other people who have been bashing it before it even comes out. And I know we've made fun of a couple movies on this podcast, but I hope we've tried to sound like we have an open mind to you know things we're apprehensive for being yeah. good. I think a lot of people have automatically dismissed, just from the trailers, the approach Boz Lerman is taking to The Great Gatsby. The approach Boz Lerman is taking to The Great Gatsby makes absolute sense to me. Because The Great Gatsby is about an age of... Jazz. Well, it's about the jazz age, and it's an, about an age of wealth and just excess. That is what yeah. the book is about, is excess and excess consuming these people. And also about sort of these very, you know, intense emotional aspects to the characters where they are in a world that's sort of so big that it's crushing them even as they have all these opportunities. Yeah. And it's a really interesting story, and I think there's no reason to do the dry, literal literary adaptation of The Great Gatsby. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. They don't need to make, like, a BBC TV adaptation type of thing. No. And so, I mean, and Boz Lerman, I will say, I detest most of Boz Lerman's movies. Moulin Rouge, I think that is one of the worst movies ever made. And I know I break with most people on that because it, like, won Oscars and all this shit. It's a terrible, terrible movie. And if you like it, I don't know if I like you. (laughs) (laughs) And his Romeo and Juliet movie is awful. But I liked his last film, Australia, with Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman. It was still, it's a very big, it's very Boz Lerman, but it, it seemed to tell its story in a way that sort of hit me harder, and I really, I got invested in the characters and in the style, and I thought it was a really interesting film. And I do think that Boz Lerman's style from Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet is better fitted to The Great Gatsby, as odd as that may sound, than it is to those films. Yeah. And I think this could be good, and one of the main reasons I'm excited is it has an absolutely perfect cast. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio as Gatsby? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Toby Maguire as Nick Carraway? Awesome. Yep. Carrie Mulligan as Daisy? That is that is too cool for words, because mm-hmm. I love Carrie Mulligan, and that's a great character for her, and if this movie is good, I think it will be great. I am also interested to see it in 3D. This is one of the few 3D movies that I'm interested in, because... 
Again, I just I like the idea of the excess overwhelming it so much that they've shot it in three dimensions. I think that could be an actual legitimate good use of 3D into drawing you into these people's worlds. Yeah. For for me, like I think visually, I like like I'm completely with you on the visuals with the Great Gatsby. The only thing that I don't necessarily like it, you know, don't I haven't looked that much into it, but it doesn't seem like they're making a lot of effort to like make a really jazzy soundtrack. Like for the score for the movie, I kind of agree with that. Because like, I think I want to say it's Jay Z, yeah. yeah. Which you know his name kind of sounds like jazz, but he's not a jazz guy. Yeah. So that's and to me, like jazz is such a huge part of that era of the it Roaring Twenties that, and I think jazz would fit the visual style he's going for. And it so absolutely would. So that's kind of something that I. I, I mean, again, I don't know. Like, there might be a lot of jazz in the score. There should be if there I mean, is not. I, we've only seen one major trailer, and I assume the music in that is not in the movie because that's too early. That that that, yeah. would be, that the movie would not be edited at that point. But but it could it like indicate what type of music they yeah. want to have in the movie, if nothing else. So yeah, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, Jay Z. I I assume Jay Z is a very a guy who's very knowledgeable about many kinds of music. So maybe he will be doing like maybe it'll be a little anachronistic, but it'll still have those elements. But yeah. you're right. I mean, I, I agree. I think what could make or break this movie may well be the music. Yeah, I think I think with Gate, Great Gatsby, it very well could. Cause yeah. that's, at least to me, I feel that's such a significant part of it. That Of course it's significant. Yeah. And it's absolutely... It, yeah. They should absolutely have a good amount of jazz in this movie. Yeah. So, But I'm interested in seeing it. I definitely... This is one where I just... I want to lay my eyes on it and see it. see what this is. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like this is a major gamble, yeah. and and we'll see. So, May 17th, though, is a movie, it's got a terrible title, but it looks f- just absolutely phenomenal. And that is Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness? Before we talk about why we're excited for this movie, let's just air it out and just make fun of the title. Sean, what jokes do you have? Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek... And two, because it's the second one, Darkness. <laughs> How many ways is this title bad? It's in every way, in every conceivable way. They, like, all they need, put a fucking colon. Get a fucking colon in there. And at the very least, I could say your fucking title without making fun of it. Yeah. Like, you can't say the title without making fun of it. That's the no. shitty thing about the title. Because there's no colon. That's not, because it doesn't have a subtitle. That's what's fucked up with it. Yeah. It doesn't have a subtitle. Its title is just Star Trek Into Darkness. And it's, and it's a fucking pun. Because you have, I guess maybe not a pun, but it's playing on, it's like it's a Star Trek. We're going into something because we're trekking there. Yes. Ha 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 ha. I think you made a joke that there's one way this title could be worse. And that's if they combine the title for that Hobbit movie. Yes, the, the other shitty subtitle and that they just made an unexpected Star Trek. Yes. Which... Yes, that would be amazing. Just make an unexpected Star Trek. I'm totally on board. Yes. Best, best fucking title ever. But apart from the title, do we agree that every, all signs point to yes on this one? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the first Star Trek was really great. They fought fucking Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch in this as a villain. Don't know why Benedict Cumberbatch is suddenly being a villain in everything, but fucking that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah I'm definitely excited for this. Oh, yeah, I mean... I just love that they were able to get J.J. Abrams and the original writers back and all the cast, and it, it's all the trailers just look just as sort of visually beautiful and innovative as the first movie. I do think, I mean, that first Star Trek is one of my favorite blockbusters of the modern era. I think they friggin' nailed it, and I love Star Trek. It's one of my favorite things. 
and I am just super excited for this movie. I think it sounds like it's got a really interesting story. I love that none of the trailers have really given anything away yet. Yeah. And I'm just I want to see this movie. Yeah. So, no. Yep. yep. Uh, speaking of sequels, on May 24th, oh, Jesus. and I am, I guarantee you one of these movies is going to move, because there's no way they're going to put out both of these movies on one day, but The Hangover Part 3 and Fast and Furious 6, and I'm looking forward to both, and I, I actually break with most people on that, I liked Hangover Part 2, and I actually liked Hangover Part 2 more than Part 1, I'm, just, I'm saying parts, that's the stupid thing they're yeah, they're because, not because they're not parts, they're just sequels, yeah. or the same movie, yeah. it's like Evil Dead 2. No, Hangover 2 is totally the Evil Dead 2 model. It's just a fucking remake of one yeah. within a new spot. But the, here's the thing, though. Everyone dismissed the movie because of that. I thought 2 was a more effective, funnier, more sort of bold and daring version of film 1. It was sort of darker, grimier. And I think it kind of embraced the sort of horror of that idea better while also having some big laughs. So I don't think either one of them are great, though. I, yeah, I, I've only I, seen Hangover 1, and I thought it was... Okay. Yeah, it was but a funny I, movie. Yeah, they're funny, and I like the characters. And I, it sounds like for three, they are doing something different. So I'm interested in seeing it. I'll definitely give it a look. And I just, I want to laugh at it. That's all I need. So, good actors. At the very least, you can laugh at the fact that they made three movies. I know. It just seems, you know, don't make sequels to comedies. Just don't. That's just that's dumb. There's yeah. nothing more dumb than a comedy sequel. Can we think? Of, what what is a good comedy sequel? A Pink Panther has a lot of good. Yeah, but... That's a different... I, yeah, I don't think of that really, those really being as sequels, almost. Well, I don't even always think of them as comedies, because they're kind of hybrids. I mean, they're it's, definitely it's comedic, true, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. And even those movies burned out after a certain point. Mm-hmm. So, anywho. Once they got into Steve Martin, it's like, well, we fucked up. <laughs> All right. Also on May 24th, like I said, is Fast and Furious 6. There's still not a title for it. It's sort of being called Fast 6, Fast and Furious 6, 6 Fast, 6 Furious. See, there's no title for it yet because they're, they're working their hardest to come up with the most ridiculous title they can for this to follow up what they've been doing so far. An unexpectedly Fast and Furious into Star darkness? Trek, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I love... This is called Star Trek 6. Just totally fuck with everybody. <laughs> All right. I love Fast 5. And I have never seen Fast 1 through 4. <laughs> I don't know what you call them. It's the Fast and the Furious. Too Fast. Too Fast, Too Furious. The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Then Fast and Furious, is that the next one? Yes. And then it's Fast 5? Yeah. Yeah. So, what the fuck? It's, it's weird because... Furious I, and Fast, that's what they should call the next one. I know. I, I would I would just think it should be called Furious 6, because they did Fast 5. That, that would actually be a good one. Furious 6. And 7. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, Fast Five, which was sort of produced in a way where you could come into it without any former knowledge of the series. Like, I know nothing about the first four movies, but I love Fast Five. It's just the acting is so much fun, fun from Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson, and to see them on screen together finally, you know, fighting, and then at the end they team up and friends become en- or enemies become friends. It's, it's just, it's a really great action movie, and it's got a lot of heart, and it's got great action sequences, and I think the movie doesn't doesn't get quite enough credit because it's a because I understand as I understand it the original Fast and Furious movies were pretty lame but that was just a really good action movie and it's you know maybe it's not a great film but it is I think it's a great action film and I just I think it's a lot of fun and I would love Fast 6 which is all the same people who did Fast 5 coming back to make another one and definitely it could be fun and I I'm excited to see it so cool you've never seen any of these no no right. that's 
I I kind of was curious about Fast Five. I may pick it, just like watch it someday if I'm just kind of bored. It seems have, like it, it seems like that kind of movie, you know. Where oh, it's yeah. just like I just have like you know a couple of hours to kill. I'll just fucking watch Fast Five. Yeah, I'll bring the Blu-ray up sometime. It's good. Anyway, uh, getting into June, um, I want to make fun of the first movie on this list, but we may need to talk about games first. Are there any June games? Fuck no. All no, right, this is this is where this is the, the summer the summer drop for games. I mean, there are games coming out, but none that I are like particularly notable. And then also this is going to be around with E3 and stuff, so oh, yeah. this will be when we finally find out, okay, this is what the next Call of Duty game is going to be, and this is what the next Assassin's Creed game is going to be. Yes. So June 7th is the film After Earth, which I would be excited for on every level, because it's kind of a, it's an interesting sci-fi story. It's got Will Smith and Jaden Smith. I like it's got Bo- Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith's awesome. Jaden Smith's a good young actor. And, and it's got I, Will Smith. Yes. Um, it looks like it's got good production values. But then... The trailer comes up and it says, from M. Night Shyamalan, and you just know this is going to be awful. But then you see Will Smith and you're like, this might be okay. Because it's got Will Smith in it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I want this movie to be good. I want M. Night Shyamalan to make a good movie. I just don't know why people care about him. He is a god-awful filmmaker. I have never seen a good M. Night Shyamalan movie. And I have... I know people like The Sixth Sense. I have no interest in The Sixth Sense because I've heard the plot twist once and I figure that's the whole movie. So, yeah. whatever. I, I don't know. I feel like we've been burned too many times by this guy. And while I want to have an open mind about this project, I don't know why I should when he has never given any evidence that he could make, a, make this movie good. I, I have one fucking reason why you should have an open mind about this. Will Smith? How did you know? <laughs> Jeez, dude. Wow. I read your mind. Yeah, I don't know how you fucking guessed that one. But yeah, no, Will Smith. It's fucking Will Smith is in this movie. <laughs> so there. But how much do you want to bet that at the end they're gonna just gonna be a big twist and we find out it's not actually Earth and it's not actually Will Smith and it's like his father was a robot or something and the robot molests him in the movie. No, I'm kind of hoping that there isn't a twist in this movie just because it seems like the twist would have been, oh shit, we're actually on Earth. But you know, you're on Earth. Like, they just tell you that. It's right in the fucking title, so... Yeah. So it seems like maybe there might not... There might just not be a twist. Well, we'll see. I hope so. I, but, you know, what they... this They have to fucking do this. If they don't do this, the movies, like, should be burned, and every print should be burned, and we should just forget that it ever existed. Will Smith has to say, one fucking time in this movie, he has to say, welcome to Earth. In, in Independence Day style, he has to fucking say it. And then punch an alien in the face. And put a fucking cigar in his mouth. That has to happen in this movie. If it doesn't, this, like, this movie is dead to me. I agree. I agree completely. I actually unironically agree with you completely. Yeah. Alright, the other movie coming out June 7th. I, maybe it's in limited release first and then will come out wider. But this is Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing adaptation. The holy shit, where the fuck did this movie come from? Yes. I'm really excited to see this. And I was kind of sad that it didn't come to any festivals in in Denver last year, but this is the movie he made in his vacation from making The Avengers because Joss Whedon is crazy, Yeah, and he's made it in his house with a bunch of his actor friends. Um, it's Amy Acker playing uh, Beatrice, and the other main character in Much Ado About Nothing is played by Alex Denisioff. He was an angel. Yeah. Alexi Denisoff, I think. Yeah, Alexi Denisoff, sorry. Uh, they were actually both an angel. Amy yeah. Acker was an angel. They're really good actors. There's lots yeah. of good actors in this. Nathan Fillion is playing um, the, the the sheriff in Much Ado About Nothing. I'm sorry I'm blanking on all the names. 
I love Shakespeare, and Much Ado About Nothing is my favorite Shakespeare play. It's fucking hilarious, and it's one of the only Shakespeare comedies that is still funny. Like, a lot of the Shakespeare comedies, they don't have any sense of comic timing anymore because you have to look up what every pun means. Yeah. Much Ado About Nothing, just there's this life and vitality to it that will always be funny, and it's, it's just a really good play, and it's perfect for Joss Whedon's style. Like, that is, like, if Joss Whedon was writing a play in the year 1550, it would be Much Ado About Nothing. So I think this is going to be really good. I love that he shot it in black and white. I love black and white. So this could be great. Cool. Yep. June 14th. This is a big one we need to talk about. Yeah. And it's weird. It's Man of Steel, the new Superman movie. And what's a little odd is that wouldn't this be a prime candidate for Warner's beloved July, like, 18th slot? I wonder why they're not using it this year. I don't know. Maybe June is just a little more Superman-y. Yes. But Man of Steel... Boy, I did not realize just how excited I was for this one until I was at The Hobbit the other day watching the high frame rate version and I saw the trailer for this in a theater for the first time. It was the new trailer that came out and that is a great trailer. Yeah. And just all signs point to yes for me on this one because it looks like every complaint I've had about Superman movies in the past and everything I want them to do with Superman, the trailers are indicating that they're doing that. And in interviews, Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan are talking about really taking Superman somewhere he's never been before on film. Yeah. Yeah, that's what no, I want. This is, I, I'm really excited to see this. I'm really excited to do the podcast. Like, this is definitely the, a podcast where you're going to talk about this movie for three hours when it comes out kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I've wanted... I think Superman has just gotten a really bad rap in the public image because, you know, every single movie has been Kryptonite and Lex Luthor, and that's it. And that is everything everybody knows about Superman and the fact that he's the last son of Krypton. But Superman can be done so well... We just haven't had the means to do him well in live action yet, and so I want, I'm really excited to see how they they handle the action, the powers, because, you know, Superman is fucking Superman. He's incredibly powerful, and so, if you you know, none of the other movies has been able to convey that. Even, no. I mean, like, even Superman Returns didn't even try to do that, even though no, they could they, have. Yeah, because they didn't give him a villain he can punch. I mean, yeah. I, this, this sounds kind of crude, but... The one number one thing you need for a Superman movie at this point, someone he can fucking punch. Yeah, because Lex Luthor is great and all, but yeah, Superman can't fight Lex Luthor unless Lex, Lex Luthor gets in a really dumb green and purple robot like he does all the time. Or Superman becomes really sadistic. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, and he just if that's if that's how that's how they should end the Superman movie franchise. He just like gets sick of it and he just melts Lex Luthor's brain with his heat vision. That's. But it looks like they're not even touching Lex Luthor in this yeah. movie. They're having General Zod as the villain again. And I know they've done General Zod before, but they did absolutely did not use General Zod to his full potential in Superman Yeah, because they didn't have, like, you know, like, fucking two Kryptonians fighting on Earth. No. Yeah. And and I say that, I love the performance of General Zod in yeah. Superman Yeah, no, definitely. The, the, the first two, like, you know, Superman 1's a really well-done movie with... The, like, unbelievable, like, maybe the worst ending to a movie I've ever seen where Superman turns back time. The most, the single most implausible thing I have ever seen put on film is that fucking moment at the end of Superman 1. And Superman 2 has some good stuff in it, but it obviously was sort of messed up. Yeah, fucked up by the studios. So. But yeah, I mean, Superman deserves to have a good movie, and I think, I think they're really, it looks like they really committed to making that movie, and I love all the casting. Michael Shannon as General Zod is going to be awesome. Yep. A- Amy Adams as Lois Lane, genius. Yep. Um, we've got Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. Interesting. Yeah, kind of weird, but fuck, yeah. Hey, Lawrence Fishburne's awesome. He's yeah. fucking Morpheus. Yeah. Man. So, and then Henry... So maybe this is all just really a Matrix, like, really. Yeah. 
the one major thing we really don't sort sort of know yet is that Henry Cavill is kind of an unknown. Um, and but, so but that motherfucker looks like Clark Kent. He so. does, yeah. And in the trailers, it's just I like I kind of like the choices he's making. What I've seen so far yeah. from his performance, and man, I think Man of Steel. It's kind of like The Great Gatsby for me. I really want it to be good, and I really just want to see the movie and yeah. see what it yeah. is. So yeah, super looking forward to that one. Oh yeah. All right, God, June just goes on and on. Uh, June twenty first. This is the weirdest set of movies coming out on the same day. <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird pair. The pair is Monsters University. The new and, Pixar movie. And World War Z. The Brad Pitt zombie movie based on the... I forget the guy's name. Based the, on... Yeah, the, the, the novel that is not a novel you could make into a movie in a thousand years. But uh, It's based on the... It's Max Brooks. Yeah, Max novel. Brooks. That's the guy. He also made the zombie survival guide. Yes. So anyway, you want to make fun of Monsters University for a second, Sean? Yeah, let's do that. All right. I, I, I want to say right up front, I love Pixar. Or I loved Pixar. I think I just... From Toy Story all the way through Toy Story 3, and all those movies they made, nobody was making better children's entertainment in America than Pixar. Can we easily say that? Yeah. I mean, they respect their audience, they have artistic drive and motivation, and just, they enable great filmmakers, and then they made Cars 2. And I think a lot of people... Here's what I think about Pixar. I'm not ready to declare Pixar dead, because it's only been two subpar movies they've made so far. Cars 2 and then Brave. And I know a lot of people wanted Brave to be good, and I think a lot of people sort of forced themselves to like Brave. Brave is a very generic, sort of boring, ambition-free movie that I, I think had good ideas, but then midway through the production they kicked the original director off and sort of just made the a lot of fart jokes in the movie. So they just they pulled Superman 2. How relevant. Yeah. And... I want Pixar to get back on track, but why I am so worried about Pixar is that they're just making sequels now. Yeah, it wouldn't be for what the only thing they ever made sequels to before was Toy Story, right? Yeah, and the Toy Story sequels are better than Toy Story One, and yeah. there was a clear reason to make more movies with those characters. Yeah, and they're, then they also waited a really long time after each movie to yeah. make sequels. Yeah, they waited until they had a story. Yeah, and look, Monsters University could be good, and if it is. That would be great. I would love there to be another good Pixar movie. I just do not understand on any feasible level the motivation, A, to do a sequel to Monsters, Inc., which was such a self-contained movie, or B, to do a fucking prequel in college for kids with... Mo- what? What? Yeah. What is that? I don't fucking know, dude. I don't fucking know. Like, I agree with you. I mean, I, I really like a lot of Pixar movies. I'm not as big on Pixar as a lot of people, but, yeah, this is, like, weird. All of a sudden that, you know, Cars 2 is one thing, at least Cars 2, like, kids fucking like it. But Monsters University, that's the weirdest fucking idea for a movie to make a prequel to Monsters, Inc. about the characters in college. Out of fraternity. Yeah, like, what? Are they going to get drunk? Are Mike and Scully going to experiment with each other? They're going to, like, make a pact to try to, you know, not be virgins by the end of the year. Like, I think, I hope that's the plot to Monsters <laughs> University, because then I will go see Monsters University. If it's not, I'm not going to see it. It should be Animal House with monsters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would want to see, is Mike the one that's basically just an eyeball? Yeah. I want to see him in a toga. I want to see how that would work. <laughs> Because he's, like, yeah, he's just an eyeball with legs and arms. It'd basically a ghost costume, right? Yeah, I guess it would. Look, I mean, it's just... 
you can't do movies about college for kids. I'm sorry, but it winds up being really pandering and kind of just cliched because you can't you can't water down the college experience to that level because at that point, if you have to take out everything about college you can't show to kids, it's just classes. Yeah, exactly. Like, you might as well just have it be high school or middle school or elementary school or just have not, just don't make a movie about people in school. And this is such an outmoded way of making animated sequels. I mean, this is like Muppet Babies. Like, you just go back and like, all right, we'll just take the characters and do them younger. Yeah. Like, fucking they're in college now. Fuck, just write it. Just write it. Cars 2 made a lot of money. Just fucking write it. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. It's just like, what other dumb thing can we do with our franchises? And they're making a Finding Nemo 2, and there's rumors they're going to... Finding Nemo. Yeah, they're going to milk Toy Story and do Toy Story 4, and all this other shit, and... I want Pixar to make original movies again. And, you know, Brave was not a great original movie, or even, I don't even think it was good. But it wasn't a, it was a semi-original idea. I mean, it was basically the plot of Brother Bear, oddly enough. But, uh, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I don't get why Pixar suddenly decided they were just going to flip a switch and be like, all right, we're commercial now. Because Pixar was making these really great artistic statements and making lots of money before. Yeah. So why did they decide that risks were bad? Because all their risks paid off. They never had a flop. In fact, they never had anything less than a sheer blockbuster hit. Yeah, I I have no idea. I, I'm completely as baffled at you as what just like suddenly happened to Pixar. Yeah. I mean, uh. and I feel like Monsters University is this strange alternate world thing. Like, this is a glimpse. Like, this came from a parallel dimension where Pixar just was always making sequels. Yeah, where it's like, and every everybody at Pixar has goatees. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have any interest in the World War Z movie? Uh, I read the book a really long time ago. I remember almost nothing from the book. And I don't care about zombie stuff anymore, so okay. no. Like, I, I, I remember the book being interesting. I remember there's a lot of good stuff in the book. But I don't think... I, but the nature of the book is that it's... It's basically a lot of short stories all set about this zombie war. And it's like... I, th- I think the conceit is it's like it's a reporter going around talking to a bunch of people and those people telling their stories about all over this, like, basically the end of humanity, kind of. I don't... I think, I think humanity's kind of fine by the very end. I don't remember... But that's like the conceit of it, and that's not a movie story. So I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to try to adapt like the big parts of the book or what. But like, I don't really care. Well, and I've also heard they're just doing they're they're planning on doing a full trilogy, which uh, just just guys never just plan to make a trilogy because and it's also don't plan flop. to make a trilogy on zombie movies. That's dumb. Yeah, don't don't do that. Zombie movies are not a bankable franchise, really. You know, you've got, like, the Of the Living Dead stuff with uh, George A. Romero, but even then, you know, those are all basically cult films. And I think they're all direct-to-video now, too. Well, yeah, now they are. Like, I stopped after Land of the Dead. But, yeah, just don't... It's just dumb. I don't really care that much about World War Z. It might be okay, but even, even an okay or even a good zombie movie, I don't care about right now. The zombies are so overdone. And even just, like, you can tell, like, one or two zombie movie stories if you're doing it seriously. And that's, like, it. Yeah. You've, you've seen two or three zombie movies. You've seen every zombie movie. Let's just fucking stop. I have shot of the dead. I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the, exactly, the only thing you can do different with a zombie movie is if you make a parody zombie movie. And that's it. And even then... There's Shaun of the Dead. And so, there's, you're never yeah. going to make a better parody zombie movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. Because so. Shaun of the Dead is both a great parody and just a great dramatic zombie movie. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, me playing the Walking Dead game was about as much zombie as I need for, like, two years. Yeah. Because, I don't know, until somebody figures out how to do something new with it, or someone just makes a good zombie movie again, because they're so cliched at this point, they don't even know how to make a good one anymore. So, yeah. Maybe World War Z will be that. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. We'll it's see. hard to say. Yeah, definitely, like, I am, I am curious to see how good it will be. I'm, I'm, I will almost definitely not see it, but I'm curious to see what the reactions are going to be when it does come out. Yeah. All right, June refuses to stop. The next movie is Kick-Ass 2, and I'm looking forward to this because I liked the first Kick-Ass yeah. a lot. It was creative. It was fun. It was a very different than anything else out at the time. Yeah. And I think Kick-Ass 2, it sounds like they are really, really going... Uh, as the title suggests, I think the full title is like Kick-Ass 2, Balls to the Wall. It sounds like they're kind of, kind of going balls to the wall with this one. It's got fucking Jim Carrey in it, playing a superhero. That's awesome. Yeah. And just, I'm really excited for it. I think this one's kind of being underestimated so far, because I don't know if people quite know just what the plot content for this is, but it sounds really fun. I think they're going further with all the elements people liked in the first one. I'm excited to see Hit Girl again. Yeah. excited to see who, how bad Red Mist becomes. You know, all those sorts of things. So, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. I put this other one on here because it is kind of sounded interesting to me. Roland Emmerich is making a movie with Channing Tatum called White House Down. I've not heard about this at all. I just heard about it when I was looking through the schedule. And it's, yeah, I guess it's a Roland Emmerich movie. He usually makes, you know, big disaster movies. Yeah. Like 2012. But Which, it's, weirdly enough, did not come out in 2012. That no. still bugs me to this day. Oh, it, absolutely. They had the perfect movie date gimmick like when when that happened when December 21st 2012 came by I was like why didn't 2012 the movie come out on this day yeah. what is wrong with this world oh well um, why did 2012 have to be made in the first place you know it, it had to be made but it had to be made to come out on December 21st 2012 and how great would it have been if the world had actually ended and that was like the last theatrical movie release was this like dumb movie about how the world is ending on that dumb day Sadly, that did not happen. It could not yeah. happen. But. Well, I guess White House Down is just an action movie about terrorists attacking the White House and Channing Tatum defending the White House. It's just, that's a, I just want to say right now, that's a terrible title. I know, it is. Like, when I saw that on your list, it's like, what the fuck is White House Down? Uh, especially because if you know anything about the Secret Service or the military, they would have a different code word for the White House. So it yeah. would be something down in that case. It wouldn't be White House. That's not exactly, like, discreet, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but June is over. Are there any games for July? Nope. Nope. All right. July starts with on July 5th with a movie I am really, really apathetic about because it yeah. has some of the worst trailers I have the, ever the seen. The apathy for this movie is absolutely overwhelming, so I will not talk anymore. Okay. It's The Lone Ranger. Sean? No? Okay. Sean's not talking. Lone Ranger... I, just, I, don't, I don't care. Lone Ranger is the film by Gore Verbinski starring Johnny Depp doing a really racist performance as a Native American named Tonto. It's from the old TV and radio series Lone Ranger. Army Hammer stars as the Lone Ranger. Uh, I could not care less. Uh, Moving on. Should, should we say anything else about this? Mm. It's, it's such a weird idea, because here's the thing. The people who remember Lone Ranger and are legitimately old enough to have any affection for that series will not see this movie because it's too big and hyperactive and CGI-prone for them to enjoy. The people who this movie is aimed at, then, are younger people who would go spend money on a movie. None of them have any idea what Lone Ranger is. None of them are probably interested in westerns. And they have spent nearly $300 million making this movie. 
how does Disney have this much money to flush down the toilet? I don't know. I just don't know anymore. I don't care. Also coming out on July 5th is Despicable Me 2. I also don't care about that. But I don't care either. Lone Ranger. I don't care either. And the thing is, Despicable Me 1 is a great kids movie. It is a really, really good movie. But it's also, I mean, it's a comedy. It doesn't need a sequel. And is I, it about all the characters from Despicable Me in college? No. I never saw Despicable Me, so... And the I thing no is, idea. Despicable Me is inherently unfit to have a sequel, because the whole arc of the movie is that Gru, the main character voiced by Steve Carell, is an aspiring supervillain, and he has to take care of these three little girls, and his heart melts, and he becomes a good guy at the end. So, the second one shouldn't be called Despicable Me, because he's not despicable anymore. Or, or it is those girls get killed, and he goes on a crazy blood, like, vengeance spree. That's what that movie should be about. It, that is, that's despicable. I would becomes dis- like it's the reverse. He becomes despicable again by the end of the movie. I would actually like to see that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> July twelfth, Pacific Rim. Yeah, Stop. finally it's something I fucking care about. Pacific Rim. Go. Okay. Yes. Uh, Guillermo del Toro movie, which has been sort of seems like oh well, there's the Mama movie that's coming out. But, but he didn't direct that. No, he didn't direct that. But yeah, no. Guillermo del Toro directing is, Pacific Rim. This is the first movie he has made since Hellboy 2. Yeah. Yeah, that, dude, that's been, it's been a fucking while. Yeah, it's too bad because he was going to make the Hobbit movies and yeah, that, that's right. that kind of tied him up for a long time. Yeah, but so it seems like he's finally coming back and he's coming back with a fucking blast. Yeah. And he's making basically an American version of a Japanese Daikaiju movies where they're like it seems like there are giant fucking monsters that are coming from beneath the ocean, and obviously the only possible way you could ever fight giant monsters is by building equally giant robots that people can get inside of and beat the ever-living shit out of them with your bare robot hands. I cannot wait for this movie. Yeah, no, I am totally, I am super fucking excited. It seems like this is just, it seems like they totally understand how cheesy and awesome the premise is, and they're just going for it. It's got Gladys. Yeah, yeah, the Ellen McLean, the voice actress from Portal, who voices the very well-known Gladys AI character, is also voicing an AI in this movie. With the same voice filter. Yeah, basically the exact same voice filter. That seems... It just seems so gleefully silly, and I yeah. love it. I love... I, I cannot wait. Yeah, I definitely... It's got... The, the only thing I have to say about this movie that's sort of negative is, why is it called Pacific Rim? It's such a weird... Title that does not evoke anything about the movie at all. It'll be really easy for the porn industry to make the porn spinoff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it just makes you think of that, or it makes you think like it has maybe... Like, when I heard the title of a movie, Pacific Rim, I thought, like, is it like a World War II movie set in, like, the Pacific Theater or something like that? Like, it just seemed really weird. Strange title, but at the end of the day, who gives a shit? It's a movie about dudes and giant fucking robots beating the shit out of giant fucking monsters, so... This is, this is what America needs. Exactly. This is what humanity needs. Turns out that on July 12th, there's also a uh, the highly anticipated Adam Sandler sequel, Grown Ups 2, and I have one note by this in my notes, and it is, what the fuck? So, so on that day, are you going to see Pacific Rim, or are you going to go see Grown Ups 2? I will, which, go which see, I will see Grown Ups 2 and piss on the screen. Because I, I hate Adam Sandler so much at this point. I He's a fucking leech. And I just... I'm sure he seems like a nice guy, but I have to question if he's actually a nice guy because all he makes are shitty movies and he asks us to pay for those shitty movies and he never tries to make anything better. That's stupid. Yeah. I fucking hate his movies. 
That's my boy. Ruined me. I just I don't ever want to. I don't even want to see a good Adam Sandler movie anymore. I want him to go away and never make a movie again. And I don't know. Go give all his money to charity and go live as a monk in India. I don't care. Well, so he live in India. Well, that's going to be the plot of the next Adam Sandler movie. Is his character gives all his money away to charity and goes lives as a monk in India to make fart jokes. Exactly. Yeah. No. All right. July twenty sixth. Another movie that could go either way, but I am. Very, very optimistic and excited for, and it yeah. is The Wolverine, the new Wolverine spinoff movie from X-Men. It is. It was originally conceived sort of as a sequel to the X-Men Origins movie, but when that came out and everyone hated it, they kind of changed gears. This was originally developed by Darren Aronofsky, who is a phenomenal director, and it's basically the Wolverine in Japan storyline that's very popular from the comics. And it's... But basically, what their their whole idea with this is that it is it's not quite a reboot or anything, but it is its own thing, and that's why they've called it the Wolverine. Is it's, yeah. it exists outside the continuity? It, I guess it officially takes place after X Men: The Last Stand, but it will not be referencing anything else. It'll just be a Wolverine movie on its own with no continuity ties, which to me seems like the perfect way to do it. Yeah, because X Men Origins part of what sucked is that it was so beholden to its stupid prequel status, which we didn't even need because X-Men 2 did the entire story Yeah, Wolverine. But, I mean, I, I, Hugh Jackman is such a great Wolverine, I want there to be a great Wolverine movie. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited about this because I didn't even see X-Men Origins, and I'm me. That says so much about how much I did not want to see that movie, I didn't even bother. Yeah. But it's, but it's kind of like... The X-Men movie franchise is very quickly becoming, like, the most confusing fucking movie franchise. I know. Because now we've got X-Men First Class, there's X-Men Origins Wolverine, then X-Men, X2, X-Men 3 Last Stand, and then now this, and then they're also making X-Men First Class 2. X-Men Days of Future Past. It's the X-Men Second Class. Yeah. So, so like, but... And they all fuck with everyone else's continuity. Like, none of the continuity works anymore, because all of them are contradicting. So it's... Crazy, yeah. But I really want the Wolverine to be good. Yeah. It is. It is going to be directed by, or it is directed by James Mangold, who has made some good movies. Uh, one of my favorite movies of the last decade was, I mean, maybe not favorite overall, but I really loved it. Was Three Ten to Yuma? Oh yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Russell Crowe and uh, Christian Bale, mm-hmm. and it's just a really damn good western. And I feel like that's exactly the skill set you would need to do this Wolverine movie. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be good. Yep. All right, August. This August 2nd, uh, we're going into August now with movies. I assume there's no major video games? Nope. At this time, I presume I will be playing whatever games I got off the Steam Summer Sale on my PC. So. Yes. Uh, August, again, there are just so many fucking sequels coming out. The first one is, I didn't even know this was actually coming out. The Holy three, shit. The 300 prequel, Rise of an Empire, I guess that's actually getting made. Jeez. Like, I've always heard about that, but I never thought that they were actually yeah. doing it. Yeah. So I'm going to look it up here and see. I don't even know who's directing it. I, I think I heard that this guy Su- Sullivan Stapleton is starring in it. It's the second movie. I turned that on an unrelated podcast about TV. But yeah, I guess that everyone really wanted. Well, yeah, because you know that makes sense. Let's make a sequel to 300 where everybody dies. Because, you know, it's the fucking Battle of Thermopylae. It's it's something that... Like, how do you make a sequel to it? Like, you know, it's not like a hugely ex- historically accurate film, but, you know, that shit basically actually happened. You can't... That's just dumb. You can't, like, fuck with that. Yeah. All right, so I guess it's got directed by this guy, Noam Murrow, who has no Wikipedia entry. Um, produced, produced by Zack Snyder, co-written by Zack Snyder. 
Um, oh, it stars Eva Green. I love Eva Green. I will see this movie. Eva Green is one of my favorite actresses. I hope this movie is good now. But yeah, I don't quite get making a sequel to 300, especially this late. Does anyone care about the 300 brand name at this point? No. No, definitely not. I mean, it's 300 was just a dumb kind of fun action movie. Like, that's, yeah. that's all it was. I don't... I don't understand why this movie is existing. Oh, it's still got Lena Headey in it, back from the first movie. That's kind of the first thing I saw her in. Anyway, well, we'll see about this one. I it doesn't even have fucking... Because it's a prequel, it doesn't even have Leonidas in it. That's kind of weird. Yeah. So wait, it has Lena Headey, but not Leonidas? She was her... What? Okay, I don't get what this movie is anymore. It says, the film will also cover backstory of Xerxes. Xerxes. It'll be the Battle of Artemisium. Alright, well, I, we need to see a trailer for this. I want to know what this movie is. <laughs> also on August 2nd, we have Red 2, the sequel to the geriatric action movie Red. Um, oh, I forgot that movie existed. Yeah. So that's coming out. And Smurfs 2. What <laughs> the fuck? Did, did Smurfs make money? I don't even remember. I, I remember Smurfs, everybody hated it. But. Smurfs made a shit ton of money. Oh, I'm looking this fuck. up. Alright, so you, you vamp while I look up the Smurfs box office. I just... Fucking Smurfs. Like, why did anyone ever think that was a good idea to make a Smurfs movie? And why not? Why do it live action? What the point? What was the point of that? Fuck, I don't know. I don't know why we make half the things we do in live action. It made $563 million at the box office. Ah, worldwide. Jesus. What the fuck? What the fuck? Who, who sees the Smurfs movie? Who gives a shit about the Smurfs? I don't... What the fuck, dude? Oh my god. They're, they've already planned this as a trilogy and are referring to it as the Smurfs trilogy. The third dude, is... That's, this, you can't... The third is planned for 2015. It's got a release date. It's set for release on July 24th, 2015. Oh no, calling something a trilogy implies something about like its narrative that I am fucking positive the Smurfs does not have. At the end, they're going to drop the Smurf into Mount Doom? Yeah, exactly. It's like, there's... What the fuck, dude? Why is there Smurfs 2? Do you want to know a bigger what the fuck? Sure. On August 9th, I shit you not, there is a Cars spin-off movie by Disney coming out called Planes. And it's about animated planes. Oh. It was originally a direct-to-video title. They decided to put it out in theaters. What the fuck? What the fuck is, go what the fuck is happening in August, dude? We've got a 300 prequel, Smurfs 2, and a fucking theatrical spin-off to Cars that was going to be a direct-to-DVD video. Yeah. What the fuck? What the fuck? Is the world just going crazy in early August? The only August movie I have on this list that is not a sequel is Elysium, which is the new film by Neil Blomkamp, who did District 9. Yeah. So I'm very excited for Elysium, just because Neil Blomkamp made a great first movie. Yeah. Uh, this one's got Matt Damon and a bunch of other good people in it, and I've seen some screenshots. It looks very innovative again, very interesting. Um, I'll see anything from that guy. District 9 was great. Yeah, but you know, but it comes out on the same day as Planes. I know. And you, you have to go see Planes, because I'm sure it's going to have something to do with Trains, which is going to be the next <laughs> spinoff. Is that a thing that, that, like, planes are also, like, sentient creatures? Is that a thing in the Cars universe? I thought it was just all Cars were sentient creatures. I forget if there's a plane in those. I, I saw Cars 2 twice, actually. But Why did you see Cars 2 twice? I think... I, no, did I see it? I saw it twice, because I think I, I was, like, babysitting someone. Oh. I don't know. I'm sorry. 
But yeah, it wasn't worth it. Anyway, um, be, then they're going to make bicycles. They should just do it with every conceivable vehicle. Chairs. Yeah, <laughs> chairs really a vehicle? No, but when you get eventually, enough, eventually, it's just people. It comes around to people, and it's just people walking around because you know we are our own form of locomotion. More sequels. August thirtieth is Insidious two. Which, what? Wait, yeah. is the the horror movie that's about the dude where he ends up fighting punching the ghosts? Yeah. What? The horror movie that I... I always forget that that movie's called Insidious because it's such a weird, vague title. Why are they making a scene? Okay, we have to Wikipedia this. I have to find out what's going on. Uh, doesn't look like it's... Oh, let me see. Did you spell Insidious wrong? I could have. Insidious film. All right. Um, does it have an entry for the sequel? Okay, sequel does not have its own page yet, but it's, it's going to be coming out under the title Insidious Chapter 2. And it is directed... By it's the same team that made the first one. Well, so. that's dumb. <laughs> that's again, comedies in horror films are not like sequel friendly. Other than like, oh, okay, horror films that are slasher films, those are sequel friendly because they're dumb. But like, you know, Insidious it was meant to be taken as a serious horror film that was actually supposed to be properly scary. Yeah. Why? Why? What the? What the fuck is with August? <laughs> what the fuck? It's such a weird-ass month for movies. They've got all these dumb sequels slash prequels to movies that don't need them, slash spinoffs, and then you've also got the Neil Blomkamp movie, just, like, sort of couched in there for this, like, one bastion of sanity. And it's all sequels and remakes and reboots up through September, too, because September starts with the new Riddick movie, which might be good. I've, I've heard people really like those, those first two Riddick movies. Um, they've got a big cult following. This one, I guess, Vin Diesel has been trying to get made for a long time. I just don't get why they're just calling it Riddick. Because that is the weirdest franchise. It's, it's Pitch Black, yeah. The Chronicles of Riddick, Riddick. Almost as bad as the Rambo franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The next one's going to be called Fast 7. Yeah. All right. And then September 13th. Th- this is the month of 3D re-releases, Sean. Because September 13th starts, I shit you not, with a, re- a 3D re-release of The Little Mermaid. That's just... Do you even need to point out how dumb it is that they're doing a 3D re-release of a fucking 2D animated movie? They did this already for uh, Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. And I did go see Lion King this way just because I wanted to see what the fuck does that look like. And it looks wrong. It just looks wrong. Sure it does, because they're not... I mean, it's kind of just a dumb concept to see something in 2D in 3D, but I could see that working if you made it with that in mind from the very fucking start. But trying to retroactively fit 3D onto a 2D animated film, that's just, it's, that's insanity. <laughs> it's like trying to, it's like fighting the impossible. You can't do that. It's not going to work. Well, then on September 20th, we get Star Wars Episode 2 in 3D. This is the next in the line of George Lucas puts out Star Wars movies in 3D. Yay? Uh, that's Jesus. The Phantom Menace 3D conversion was the worst 3D I've ever seen. There was literally no 3D effect whatsoever, and they made the movie look like absolute shit. It was like the worst theatrical projection I've ever seen. Yeah, well... And, and Star Wars I, Episode Two yeah, is a boring is, movie. Yeah, this is Attack of the Clones. This is, in my opinion, the worst of the Star Wars movies. You can fall asleep behind yeah. the 3D glasses. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I mean, that's... If you if you want to take a nap, and you want to spend some money on your nap, you can go see Star Wars Episode Two in 3D. I, I think Star Wars Episode Two is better than Episode One because Natalie Portman is really hot in this movie. That doesn't like die. It's like 
the movie is so boring, I don't even care. Okay. Can't, I can't even bring myself to care. All right. September 27th, cons- continuing our Rampage or sequels, is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. They're making a sequel to that? Yep. Man, dude, I'm learning so many things on this podcast. I know. Oh, what the fuck? A lot of sad things. Yeah. Uh, the other movie coming out on the 27th that could be good, and I really hope it's good, is The Tomb, which is this action movie with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger teaming up. That should that should be awesome, right? Yeah. I hope it's awesome. Hopefully, yeah. At the very least, I'm sure it will be better than Fighting with the Chance of Meatballs 2. All right. Now, October has a big video game release. Yes, it does. So why don't we talk? Why don't we take a break from all these really weird movies we're talking about and yeah. talk about the video game that I'm actually I'm excited for? It's Pokemon X and Y. They were yeah. just announced. It will be the first time Pokemon games have been released day and date around the world. Yep. Um, they the 3DS games. They are the next in the main line. They're coming out much faster than I thought too. Yeah. No. Because they did that kind of weird thing where they made Black Two in White Two yeah. last year. So it's like it seems like there has been like a steady yeah. stream of basically main Pokemon games. And one of the things we've always talked about on this podcast is that while we loved Pokemon Once Upon a Time, the franchise got stale pretty fast because of their inability to really innovate or do something new. Yeah, they got so... I mean, it was almost like Legend of Zelda where they are so immediately beholden to the formula of the first game that it was like... I'm, I like Gold and Silver also, but past that, it just feels like I'm playing the same game. And so I I never finish them. Yeah, I liked all of them through Ruby and Sapphire, and then I hated Diamond and Pearl, and I really liked... Black and White were a huge step in the right direction. I want to give them the credit for that. It innovated in a lot of interesting ways. It just didn't rework the core mechanics, which I think really do need reworking at this point. But it looks like X and Y are devoted to, at the very least, bringing the graphics and presentation into modern times. Yeah. Now, at the very least, you know, there are full 3D model Pokemon that have, just based on the trailer, you know, proper, like, attack animations that look fucking cool, and it's not just two sprites, like, nudging each, like, nudging vaguely vaguely in each other's direction, or, like, some fire, like, ball-type thing just rising up because you used Ember. Yeah. It's like, the the battle effects were always seemed really fucking cheap. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, no, these monsters are fighting each other. Let's make it look cool, you know, kind of like how it looks in the anime. It seems like they're going for that same style. Yeah, and you actually have a 3D character model for yourself. You actually walk around in three dimensions. And it seems like, and, and yeah, it's like you're inhabiting like a full proper 3D world, and it seems like they're putting a lot more effort into sort of making the design of it look really unique. Like, it's based on the trailer, there's like the forest looked really cool. There was like a big desert area. It's like, you know, the cities look cool. There's like a big fucking mansion thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it seems like they're definitely doing something new with the series. Definitely. Anyway, I, I do have a 3DS, and I will definitely pick one of these up, and I'm yeah. excited to, to check them out. I still have not finished Black, and I never played Black 2 and White 2, although I heard they were fantastic, so I, I would like to play those too, but I, just, I don't think I'll have time. Yeah, but, but I just, just to me, it's like, you know, everybody says the Pokemon games are fantastic, but... Kind of like how everyone says that every single Legend of Zelda game that comes out is really fantastic, but for me, it's like... I played this really fantastic game 12 years ago. I don't need to play it again and again and again with these slight modular improvements. Yeah. And the only thing that... I mean, the thing I'm most curious about with Pokemon X and Y is that all we've gotten is this trailer, and I'm... They have... And, you know, it's cool to have the full 3D art and everything, but I'm mostly curious to see whether or not that, that change of direction visually also will indicate a change in direction in terms of their mechanics, because I think the battle system has been stale... Like, the battle system was stale when it first came out. Like, the limitation to four moves, 
is just arbitrary and dumb. It's so limiting. Uh, you know, half of the moves are completely... Like, all the status effect moves are basically completely useless. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see them, like, change up the battle system and do something new with that. I just... I don't know if they will. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they will, but... At least... But, like, the 3D direction means, like, maybe they will. At yeah. least maybe somebody fucking thought about it. And that's an encouraging thought, you know? That somebody considered possibly... Maybe we should make a fifth move. Like maybe we should just fucking throw that in there. Yeah. You don't need. You know, we're not on the Game Boy One where you could only like fit four moves of like text because the text had to be huge because the resolution on the screen was so shit. Yeah. It's like that's why. It, like they felt to me that that's why you only had four moves is because they only had four slots for like words in the in those text boxes because you had like the four things with like fight and run and Pokemon and item and you just the four moves went over those. But yeah, all right. One X and Y curious release. Yes, back to movies. October fourth contains the 3D re-release of Star Wars Episode Three. Just chugging along. Yeah, because did the Episode One 3D re-release was that last year? Yeah, and their plan was they were going to do one a year every February, but then the Phantom Menace one tanked really, really hard because yeah. nobody wanted because what they they did made the stupid choice of starting at Episode One. Yeah. And so they decided to do two and three really fast back-to-back to see if there was any interest for four, five, and six, which the only interest I had in this 3D line was, while I didn't care about seeing four, five, and six in 3D, I would like to see them in a theater. Yeah. And I never have, and I would like them to come out, but I, I don't know if that'll ever happen. But we'll see. This spate of 3D re-releases is making me realize how hard it is to say 3D re-release because yeah. they've got that fucking E on everything. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should come up with different words for those. All right. So the other big release on October 4th, and I am super, super excited for this movie with one reservation, but it is Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Sin City is a great movie. I, it really is one of my favorite movies. I love it. It's, it's so much fun. I really love those graphic novels. I think Frank Miller is a very erratic author, to put it lightly. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We need to do a whole episode about Frank Miller. Yeah. If we want to really oh get into God. it. But but those are I think those are the best things he's ever done. And I, I include Dark Knight Ri- Dark God damn it. Dark Knight Returns in that. Yeah, you know my pain now. Yeah. Fucking All right. Dark Knight bullshit. But the Sin City books are so good. They play so well to the things Frank Miller actually does well. And I love them. And that movie, Robert Rodriguez, just nailed it. All the casting, all the storytelling, all the visuals. It's it's a great vision comic book brought to life. And I've wanted a sequel for so long now. And A Dame to Kill For, so many signs here point to yes. For one, A Dame to Kill For is a great book. That is a really, really good Sin City story. Um, they've cast Josh Brolin as Dwight in that story. And if, if you don't know, Dwight, who was played by Clive Owen in Sin City, the first one, a Dame to Kill For is set before the Dwight story in Sin City 1. It was the first story with Dwight. And the whole thing about Dwight is that at the end of A Dame to Kill For, he has, like, his face is, like, blown off or something, and he has massive facial reconstruction, and that's why he's going to be played by two separate people. So mm-hmm. Clive Owen in the original Sin City, Josh Brolin here, love Josh Brolin. There's just, there's good actors all across the board in this movie. A lot of the fan favorites, like Mickey Rourke, are coming back for this one. Jessica Alba's coming back from the first movie. Um, that's one of the better roles Jessica Alba has ever had. And I'm really curious about it, and they've got an actual screenplay this time written by William Monaghan, who wrote The Departed, so he's written some good stuff yeah. before. My one reservation is that, in addition to A Dame to Kill For, the other stories in this movie are original ones by Frank Miller. I have absolutely no faith that Frank Miller can write a good original story anymore. 
Yeah, and it's I'm, been a really long time since he been. has. Yeah. I mean, the last major thing he's done is the thing where Batman kidnaps Robin. All-Star Batman and Robin, yeah. Yep. Like a new issue would come out a year. I think that might still be going on. It I'm is. Not sure. I, I saw that the other day. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no. Frank Miller dropped off a fucking cliff as a writer at some point and just went completely insane. Basically, like... I think I think it started with Dark Knight Strikes Again because I'm pretty sure that was before All Star Batman Robin. But it was like yes. after he did Sin City, it's like he went to a place he couldn't come back from, and he just kept on basically writing Sin City, but with in a way that just doesn't work anymore, and with characters that it doesn't work for. My one hope is that if he goes back to Sin City, maybe he can still write Sin City effectively. Yeah. So we'll see. I I want this movie to be good because I really like Sin City, and that's a movie that kind of begged for a sequel because there's so many more stories you can tell in that style. Um, so I hope it's good. October 11th, here's an interesting one. There's a remake of Old Boy, the Korean film, by, yeah. and this one is directed by Spike Lee. Now, you've seen Old Boy. You yes, love, I have. You yeah, like it's it. a really great film. I still have not seen it, and I feel bad. You, you should. You should definitely see it. Okay. And you should feel bad. I admit that you should about both of those okay. things. So, are you interested in a Spike Lee remake of Old Boy? Yeah, sure, I'll see it. Like, I don't necessarily really need a remake of Old Boy, an yeah. American remake, but... You know, that's true. Old Boy was an awesome movie. It's a movie I want to rewatch, and so this will be like a fun way to kind of rewatch it because the plot of that movie gets pretty complicated near the end, and some fucked up shit goes on. And so I'm, I want, I'm curious to see if they keep all the fucked up shit because that it, it feels like a bit. It's like fucked up in a very Asian way, where like Asian movies where they get really fucked up. It's like that yeah. in a way that doesn't really play in America. So I'm curious to see if they try to tweak any of that stuff to make it a little more palatable. I'm also curious to see, like, some of the action scenes in Old Boy were just fantastically directed, where they were, you know, just a lot of really long, wide shots with just, like, you just see, you know, the main dude beat the shit out of, like, 15 people with a hammer and get the shit beaten out of him, too. Like, there's some really great action scenes that I'm I'm curious to see because it's such a, it's a really well-done movie and it's a, it's a very odd movie. Now, I want to see how an American director sort of, like, tackles that and what they'll do with it, so... For right. me, at least, it'll be intellectually curious. I don't yes. know whether or not it's actually going to be a really good movie or not. Yeah, I mean, Spike Lee has made good movies in the past, but it's been a while. Yeah. So, October 18th is the remake of Carrie. This is the horror film that is is most... I think it's a Stephen King book. Yeah, it is. And it was made with Drew Barrymore or someone. Yeah, it's got the very famous scene of like all the pig's blood dropping on the girl at, uh, I think it's prom or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this one is is uh, this one actually looks really good, and I have to look up the name of the woman directing it. Um, but it's a it stars Chloe Grace Moretz, and she is Hit Girl in Kick Ass. Yeah. She's been in uh, Hugo. She's a really great young actress, and it's cool because they're doing the Carrie story with an actress of the actual proper age. Um, you know, actual like you know, young adult, uh, yeah. uh, preteen girl. I would yeah. say. And the yes, yeah, so the director is Kimberly Pierce, who once upon a time directed Boys Don't Cry, and the, that's the one that uh, Hilary Swank won an Oscar for. And she hasn't directed anything for a while, but I think you know it would be interesting to see her do a horror movie. Uh, this movie has some other good actresses in it. I like Judy Greer. I like Julianne Moore. Um, it, it might be an interesting horror movie, and it's it's another one where I think they're trying to go back closer to what Stephen King wrote. And I have I have no I don't know anything about Stephen King book, yeah. but. Uh, I'm definitely interested to see, you know, see what they might do with this. I don't yeah. know if it'll be great, but it... That I, seems interesting at the very least. Yes. 
Uh, October 25th is Paranormal Activity 5. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Jesus. They're never going to stop. I can't believe it's already 5. Like, it just seems like yesterday that Paranormal Activity 1 came out. But here's one of my most anticipated movies of the year, Sean. The World's End. This is the new film oh, yeah. from Edgar Wright, starring Sean Penn. Uh, Sean Penn. Sean Pegg. That would be a very different movie if it was Sean Penn instead of Sean Pegg. Or Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. I got his name completely wrong. Yeah, no. And then you made me get it wrong too, asshole. Sorry. It's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I'm sorry. I'm tired. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and this is sort of the third in their line of movies like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and now At the World's End. And I guess it's sort of, it's got an apocalyptic element, and they're kind of parodying that, but it's also got some dramatic elements. They're trying to go back to this bar that they loved when they were younger. Um, it looks really good. I, like, we don't know anything about it. I just everything I've heard and what, the way they've talked about it and how it's been a passion project for years. I am very, very excited to see this. I mean, I will see anything Edgar Wright does. He's one of my favorite directors working yeah, today. You know, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz were both fucking awesome, so I'm sure this will be too. Oh, yeah. So, then we get into November. Do you have anything on the list of, for games in November? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there will be a lot of games that will come out in November, but they're all going to be announced at E3. Right. I mean, this will be the... Look for the next Call of Duty and probably Assassin's Creed in November, I'm yes. sure. Maybe for new consoles. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, November 1st is Ender's Game. This is a movie that I think a lot of people have been waiting for for a while. Yeah, because... Yeah, it seems like that movie was in production hell for a really long time. Yeah, but it's got a really good cast. Also got Harrison Ford yes, in it. Yes, it does. It's got Asa Butterfield, who is the main character in Hugo. He's a really good young actor. He's playing Ender. Scott, that's a fantastic name. Asa Butterfield? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like he should be the character in a Harry Potter yeah. thing. I've, I've never read Ender's Game, but as I, I understand it's, it, it's a really good book. Yeah, it's a fantastic sci-fi novel. So. Hopefully it'll make a good movie. Yeah. I like the sequel of the book Speaker for the Dead even more so hopefully they can end up making that movie okay. too and All they right. can stop after that because they get awful after that but. okay just two movies yeah uh, also on November 1st is the new DreamWorks animated movie Mr. Peabody and Sherman yep they made it <sighs> Mr. Peabody and Sherman if you don't know because really there's no possible reason you should know unless you're 60 years old pretty obscure is that Mr. Peabody and Sherman were side characters on Rocky and Bullwinkle the old Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon they were not in the Rocky and Bullwinkle stories but sometimes they would air like a five minute short within a Rocky and Bullwinkle episode that would have Mr. Peabody and Sherman sounds like a great idea for a movie right Sean? yeah Jonathan like let's take one of the most obscure fucking animated things we can find and make a full feature film out of it. Why would you bank on this as a franchise? It makes no sense. I don't know. They have the they have the rights to it. That's why. They have the rights to it, so... Oh, fuck it. Fuck November it. 8th. Thor. The Dark World. Fuck yeah. Yeah. More Thor. I'm so excited. More Thor. This is directed by Alan Taylor, taking over for Kenneth Branagh. Alan Taylor is the was the lead director on HBO's Game of Thrones for its first season and part of its second. And he is a really, really good TV director. I think his skills will very will translate very well to Thor. I just I want to see more Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman and just that world and and maybe explore yeah. more of the the universe of Thor. Yes, and then you know the nine realms. Of yeah, the in the fiction. I mean, it seems like with the Dark World there. I forget. I think it's Svasselheim. Or it might not actually be Svasselheim. But Svasselheim is one of the realms. I just it'll, be, love, it'll be it'll be interesting to see I, them delving more into the Asgard type universe. Yep, I'm just I want to see. I just love that we're getting more Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, and, definitely. And two a year that's going to be fun. Yeah, again, just like with Iron Man three, I'm also really excited just to see how they're because now that they've they've done it once, how they're going to handle like tying all the stuff in for Avengers two. Yeah, like the second time around because you've already got the sort of 
pretty heavy continuity going on here, so I'm curious to see how they'll handle that. Alright, so November 22nd is the second Hunger Games movie, Catching Fire. Um, I, th- I think, I, I just want to note, I think they did something, I like that they decided just to title the movies in this franchise, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, not do any gimmicks beyond that. Yeah. Like, trying to rename Twilight the Twilight Saga. <laughs> in any case, I liked the first Hunger Games an awful lot, even though I was kind of tepid on the book. And I'm a little worried about the sequel, because I think the number one reason I liked the first movie was the director... Gary Ross did such a good job at sort of making an artistic, really well-done version of that story and really in improving on the book. And I feel like now that he did that and it's so successful and they basically, Gary Ross left the project because they wanted to make this movie so fast and he said, I can't make a good movie that fast. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried they're just going to do a paint-by-numbers sequel where they just adapt the book word for word. And I, really, yeah. I don't have much of an interest in that because I think the books are a solid foundation, but I think they need a lot of work to be good movies. And I think Gary Ross did that work pretty well. Uh, the director of this movie is Francis... Fran- yeah, I think it's Francis Lawrence. I know the last name is Lawrence because it's the same as the star of the movie, Jennifer Lawrence. And oh. It's kind of funny. It's trivia fun fact for yes. you. And, and you know, I, that, the only thing I know that director from is he did I Am Legend, which was... I guess that was well-directed. My problems, yeah, yeah. My problems with I Am Legend, I guess, are in the scripting department. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely, the, with how they ended that movie. Yeah, so I, I would like this movie to be good. It's, I mean, the cast they assembled for the first Hunger Games is great. Jennifer Lawrence is fantastic, and I'd like to see more of that cast. So, hope this is good. All I know is that it will make a, sh- a metric shit ton of money. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, getting into December, we've got The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Not much more we can say about this. We have talked about The Hobbit an awful lot, and I'm expecting the second movie to be like ten times as good as the first. Yeah, because they're tackling the most interesting material, I think, with the second movie. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, excited now, I, I know I will want to see this in 3D 48 frames per second. So yep, me too. It'll be fun being able to see that the movie for the first time. Yep. Alright, and December 20th is a sequel that I am actually excited for, even though normally I wouldn't be, and that is Anchorman The Legend Continues. We've talked before about how, you know, comedies should not have sequels. Yeah. I do think doing an Anchorman sequel ten years later, and they've talked about their idea to have it be set in, if the first one was the 70s, do this one in the 80s and sort of reference how news changed from the 70s to the 80s. Yeah. I think you could. I think these characters are good enough, and that world is is fun enough that you could make a good sequel, and it's all the original people coming back. And they were all, they were very, they wanted to make this. This was not a commercial demand. They came back and said, hey, we have ideas. So I hope this is good. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely that conceit for how they're doing the sequel is much more appropriate than how comedy sequels tend to be done. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it could work. It's not like the premise of it itself sort of like kneecaps it, but. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's all we're going to talk about on this podcast for movies. There are a couple of ones that don't have release dates yet that I thought about talking about, but I think we're going to cut it off there because we've been talking for a while. Yeah. And, you know, that's the year in preview. Mm-hmm. Hope this was a fun episode. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird thing with the video games because we don't, like, th- I'm sure this is going to be a pretty crazy year with video games with the new console announcements oh, and yeah. everything, but we'll have to wait and see with when that stuff comes out to be able to actually really talk about that. Yep. So, I'm sure that will be a podcast in the near future. All right, can you say off the top of your head, which, what of everything we talked about today, what are you most excited for? Uh, probably either The Last of Us or GTA V, I think. That's definitely, those two games are something I've been excited for for a pretty long time. What about on the movie side? uh, For the movies, you know, honestly, I would say either Iron Man 3, or I'm I'm super curious about the Evil Dead remake. I think 
I, I really love the first Evil Dead movie, and I just love the idea of the direction they're going in with the remake. It's like, I don't even know, I don't necessarily think it'll be like one of my favorite movies of the year. I'm just super curious about how it's going to turn out and like what they're doing with it. Yeah, I think, for me, I think the easy answer would be something like The Hobbit or Iron Man 3 or Thor 2, one of those movies, or Star Trek, a sequel to a movie that I really love, but... I think in terms of what I am most interested in seeing, those are all movies that I, I'm pretty sure they're going to be good. I know what yeah. they're going to be like. I am just so, so curious about Man of Steel. I think yeah, that's, no, that's, that's what, a good point. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Though, what you just said about Evil Dead, that's how I feel about Man of Steel. I'm not sure if it's going to be great, but if it is, if it is, that would yeah. be so cool. Yeah, no. So Ho- Hopefully we'll have a really awesome Superman movie yeah. and start a really awesome Superman franchise. Yep. All right, so we'll talk to you guys... Next week, we'll try to come up with a topic so we can talk about things. Yes, because again, you could kind of see with uh, our January stuff, not a lot's coming out in the near future, but... Nope, but... We'll, we'll figure something out. That's what we always do. <laughs> <laughs>